medical or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. Dear partners and friends of What the fuck? Form, a very cordial welcome. The WTF Forum is a decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated, ever-growing network of rogue, independent content creators. This forum does not, will not, and shall not have any one location, feed, platform, or channel, but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates. If any listener of the following proceedings finds themselves offended they will be asked kindly to go fuck themselves. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the WTF Forum. We've got some new faces in the house and a couple couple familiar ones. Uh, so as usual, we'll go around, we'll introduce ourselves, and we'll take it from there. I'm Mike the Polymath from the Easy Peasy Podcast, uh, and I'll leave it at that. Ando, burn Babylon Burn, the Doom Kitchen. Find me at libertylinks.io slash the doom kitchen and email me, please, at the doom kitchen at protonmail.com. Stella. Oh, hey, Stella Q here from Australia. Uh, also from Union of the Unknowns podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, Walt from How I Embrace the Suck. Should have worn my All Blacks hat. Think, change, repeat. What you got for us? Hey, it's Ashley. Thanks for having me. I am also a podcast mate with Stella Q on Union of the Unknowns. So thanks for uh, having us today. And Phytophiliac. Hi, this is Phytophiliac. You can find me on major streaming platforms, and sound, including SoundCloud. I do music, and uh, I like to have fun. This is wild. We've got an even split. You know, I was so stoked last week just to have one female on the show. You know, we've been we've been a big old sausage fest for uh, you know the last <laughs> couple of months. So glad y'all could make it. You know, thanks for thanks for being here. Speaking of sausage, uh, we just saw Charles get inaugurated, <laughs> and his fingers look like sausages. So <laughs> I knew you were going to go right into that topic, man. I believe those are called snossages. And oh, it's coronated. <laughs> Sorry. Chlorinated, um, <laughs> snorinated. It was so boring, <laughs> and just culty, right? It felt pretty culty to me. Uh, all satanic rituals are culty, so I mean, I, death showed up. That, that's pretty cool. Shout out yeah, to death. What's up? Yeah, <laughs> I I saw that too, and I looked through the comments, and it looks like some Joker uh, photoshopped the end of the scythe. It was just a guy with a, with a staff, which apparently if you go to an event like this, you have to have a staff of some sort and, um, or a rod or, you know, it's all very phallic. That's for damn sure. Yeah. A wand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wand. like our, our pre-show conversation about going pole to hole. <laughs> yeah. God, we got to get off the penis talk, y'all. It's been nothing but penises since we got here. And we've got, we got laces. We can talk about all kinds of things other than dicks. I mean, geez. <laughs> Let's try to be gentlemen here. 
one thing I was thinking about when we uh, were talking about the coronation stuff, I mean, obviously, like, I don't support a monarch, blah, blah, blah. But aside from that, I was thinking it should have been Diana up there, number one. Number two, to have this whole hullabaloo about Harry getting snubbed and that sort of situation, and then William was giving a speech, like, we're so proud of you. And I'm like, what? what is even going on here? Like, that motherfucker had your mom killed. He had your mom killed, and yeah. and you're up there like, oh, we're so proud of you. <laughs> what? It just was, it's, it's so sad. It just made me sad for those kids, because as much as they may be, like, illuminate confirm or whatever you want to say now they were kids when that happened to them and their mom was murdered sad didn't yeah. he didn't he denounce his royalty status too like is that just over with now like you know brushed under the rug or did that stick <sighs> i don't know exactly what happened i know that they still call him like you know prince harry and they call the the kid prince archie the four-year-old so i was thinking i had the same question when i was reading a blip about it and i was like okay are they are they not i i have no idea oh and before we go on i also wanted to say what's up to phytophiliac i first saw her on the media monarchy um daily discord chat then i came across her on twitter so i've been following ever since and i I am really amazed that I'm on the same call with her and Stella because I think all of the time, like I see Fido stuff and I'm like, Stella would love this. Stella would love this. Like they have so much in common. I've even shared, um, this was when you were still on Bandcamp. Um, I shared your link with Stella because she's a musician too. You may have already talked about this, but anyway, it's just, Stella talks about synchronicities all the time. And uh, when I got on and saw that you were here, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. So oh, anyway. Wow. Yeah, nothing happens. No, things don't, uh, uh, I mean, rephrase that. Everything happens for a reason. Put it that way. There's always yeah. a reason. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank Love you for listening to my music. Yeah, so cool. That warms my heart, y'all. That warms my heart. Like this is <laughs> This is why we started this forum, right? We want to we want to build the network, you know, simple as that. Get people talking like people that wouldn't talk otherwise. So, yeah, I love that. That's a, this is awesome. a great idea to kind of have this like conglomerate of, you know, people coming in and out. That's a really good idea. I love that. Well, yeah, there's, yeah. Um, I've certainly met a lot of people that I would never have normally met. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, even just a phone call overseas was almost unheard of in my life. So, um yeah, so are you the one who was listening to my music in Brisbane? Because there was somebody listening to my music in Brisbane. I don't know who it was. It oh, might have been Duke no. My base, isn't, <laughs> my base wouldn't come from Brisbane. It would be probably um, Port Macquarie or somewhere, I think, is okay. the, the tower. But uh, no. I, I yeah, the, um, Spotify, uh, Spotify, I think Apple Music does it too. Some These major streaming platforms, they, um, they have a uh, artist page where you can see uh, the general location of where people are that are listening to your music. And oh, okay. I've gotten some hits from some pretty interesting places. And Australia oh, was one of wow. them. And I even had one out of Russia. So it was really interesting that, you know, little old me here in, you know, BFE Texas could make some music that somebody other side of the world would listen to. So that's pretty It amazing. is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it that, really that's... Is. I'm a little bit sort of anti-technology in, in a lot of ways, but um, 
uh, I mean, bring back tape. I just loved working with tape back now. Yeah. Off, but, but um, yeah, it's just amazing to be able to, like just recently, oh, last year I recorded a song with a dude that I used to record with years ago and uh, I've since moved out of Sydney. But uh, we still recorded a song together. Um, so I just, yeah, did the vocal track and sent it down to him and he did whatever and it was all just done. It was like, wow, that was pretty easy. It just worked. Although I do enjoy yeah. being in the studio. I'm very much going to miss that. I just love, that's where I feel most at home and most me is in a, studio, in a recording studio. But um, I think those days might be kind of a little bit past, perhaps. Well, oh, says who? It's it's possible to do it strictly over an internet connection. I know because I'm actually working with two other guys, and they're they're uh, one of them's in India, one of them's in the UK, and we're actually making music together. And we just finished a song the other day, and it's really it's just so good. It, if you know how to mix music, and you know how to put tracks together, you really don't even need a studio, and uh, it can yeah, be that's done. Right. Yeah, but uh, oh, I'm just talking about the fun. indulgence, the atmospheric oh, yeah. indulgence. Yeah. You know, just, I mean, it's much know, better and, than a, you sit on yeah. a, a bed with a laptop. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. But it's nice. leaving it's the convenient. house, leaving the house to go do stuff is also important. <laughs> so, Occasionally, but, uh, yeah. but <laughs> I don't yeah. do it that often. Yeah, no, it's pretty amazing. So we've got a couple of musicians, huh? Is that what I'm gathering? Yeah, seems like it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Fito, can I just ask one more question about that sure. while we're talking about it? When you're recording with uh, your dudes overseas, uh, is that like live? You're doing it live? No, we're actually, um, well, they'll send me, well, a couple of times I've sent them some music and they've um, recorded the tracks on their own, on their, you know, apart from mine, and then they'll mix it together in a doll. And Got it. so, um, they actually sent me one that they had actually pretty much finished and they were just wanting like some finishing touches on it. Yeah. And uh, I was listening to it and I was like, you know, I think I could add something here. And so I recorded it with my microphone while I was listening to it. And then I sent him, I sent one of them just the audio of what I recorded and he was able to add it into the song that was already existing. And then he kind of tweaked it a little bit, put a little reverb with it and it, it sounds really, really good. So yeah, okay, it's, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah similar. It's, it's it's very flexible, isn't it? I mean, that's, it is. That's good it really is. Hmm. So it works. Bloody amazing. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> well, I thought you know before we totally got away from the topic of the royal family, uh, I've got a little something to share here. Uh, I thought it was just kind of typical. Not terribly surprising, but still a WTF. Uh, 52 people arrested protesting in front of the um, coronation, whatever you want to call it. And why can't I make this bigger? Here we go. So let's check this out. so you get the idea um you know it goes on 
to say a whole bunch of stuff, but essentially what was used as the excuse was your right to protest is being temporarily paused for the sake of peace and quiet and calm. Um, which I just figured that just sounded like the Brits, man, <laughs> you know? Well, this is probably uh, Extinction Rebellion, which is uh, um, they're environmentalist protesters. So they basically are, are on Charles's team anyway. Um, and, and, you know, and, and this is also typical of modern day leaders. They can't take any sort of criticism or or see that there's any sort of resistance going on they 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 hid us for the last couple of years because of all the tyranny that they were pushing for you know i just happened to think did walt ever get a chance to introduce himself yeah yeah i I tried to throw shade at the uh the wallabies but no luck okay i just wanted to be sure i'm like as usual you're you're kind of quiet but share your thoughts whenever you want to man just barge right in. 58 is uh, rookie numbers. Yeah. They need, to, could, they need to bump those numbers up. Yeah, totally. There were like at least a few hundred. Uh, you mean number of protesters? Yeah. Oh, they yeah, got they, arrested. He said 58 arrested, right, Mike? 52. Uh, 52. Oh, 52 arrested. Excuse me. 52. Yeah. Um, I wonder what yeah, the charge they, was. They probably Disturbance just, to public or something, I guess. Yeah, they were probably the rowdiest of the bunch, if I had to guess. So I saw somebody, um, Kojak, the uh, Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence podcast, he had tweeted about this, that maybe people need to reframe their thoughts on the monarchy, which is obviously not an old idea. We know that Hoppe had, you know, this famous to known or known for having that idea. Um, And I did think that it was a good reminder, at least food for thought on this topic. But in this particular regard, I'm conflicted because we know that there is no difference. Like whether you have this monarchy or you don't have this monarchy because they own everybody, you know, it's like they, the, and I don't even think it's just the World Economic Forum. And obviously, like, I think it goes well beyond that. But I'm just saying, whoever is running the show, they have government, they have the monarchy, like, everybody's on lock for, for that. So I even feel like in today's day and time, the whole monarchy argument is point. It's totally pointless to say, like, well, we should consider that. No, because they're bought and paid for. Like, Maybe the Monaco or something isn't bought and paid for by those people. But I feel like if they weren't, then they wouldn't exist. Like they would be dead. So I just feel like it's this, it's the same difference all around. Well, there's there is the Rothschild that that had his finger in Charles's chest. So uh, always that remember that, moment. y'all. <laughs> yeah. Always remember, remember that there's people that are higher than royalty and uh, and you don't always know their names this one you happen to know the name of but the ones you don't know the names of are the ones that are really pulling the strings well also i think what people should consider though is the monarchy even maybe more so now than it used to be but the the monarchy is just like politics in the u.s it's the entertainment division of whatever's controlling that country you know we have um we have our popularity contest here in the United States and they have the monarchy. Yes, and 
I guarantee you that there are people that are up over those, over the monarchy and really pulling the strings and making the decisions. And you were, um, yeah. Ashley, you were talking about how you didn't understand all the drama and stuff. And it's like, that's just to bring in the distraction to, um, to bring in the people that like to watch a good dumpster fire and it's just for show. And I don't think yeah. that it's really here or there. They've already got their plan of action. Who's going to be succeeding who. And, you know, they, they have their backups for their backups in case somebody tries to step out of line. So I think it's all just one big giant shit show. <laughs> Basically. It's Bro. the big club that none no, of us are in. No, no. <laughs> right. That's what no, they say. I think it's a good, a good analogy with like Hollywood too. Um, in that it's just it is the entertainment wing of the control apparatus and like it's very much intertwined uh with the power structure and there's certainly players that are higher than others um which i will i will foreshadow what i think will be our based or bogus segment later uh when we've kind of covered a couple other things but um how they will destroy people in the club if they're not playing the game right if they're not going with the narrative they will destroy you um so that yeah a little foreshadowing for you not only destroy you but destroy everyone you love as well and probably for the next three or ten generations <laughs> I mean, that's what they do in north korea did anybody know where greta was during all of this she was seething <laughs> Was she not invited to the coronation or? Uh... Well, she's always at the G8s and all the other things and acts like like some sort of resistance. That That's that's what I was bringing up earlier is that there's this false resistance that is advertised. And, and I think, I mean, these people looked super organized. They had pre-made signs. They're, you know, they're not really the resistance. They needed that show, I think. I think it wasn't a hard time. It wasn't Greta's turn. <laughs> it was Harry's she, turn. <laughs> I think she was hiding under Katy Perry's dress. Yeah, I that cracked me up that I saw she was there. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. I mean, she's part of the club, I guess. And I heard there was going to be some. Yeah, Katy Perry. I mean, <laughs> it, it, she's not related. She's not British, is she? Or am I uh, just misinformed? I'm sure she's got the same contaminated blood. But um, she, I just think they're wearing the gold dress was such a slap in the face. You know, it's like, we got our gold stashed. How about you, peasants? Wow, <laughs> you know, yeah. just, that's what it spoke to me. I don't know. Well, and I heard there's going to be some big party that a bunch of, like Lionel Richie's going to play. And like, you know, it's just, it's all, it's all a show. It is. Stevie Winwood. Mm, it's just a big, big, big performance, right? It is. And ritual, right? Like we, we talked about that. And I was listening to um, an interesting podcast yesterday from Weaponized News, and they were kind of covering like some of the, the more occult side of things, which I get very interested in, you know, when we start discussing like the Nephilim and their descendants and these inbred motherfuckers with like their long deformed faces or whatever. That's very interesting to me. But then also all this, the symbology, like what Stella was talking about, you know, we have the gold, obviously we have the purple, we have the pomp, the circumstance, the, you know, the triangles, all of that weird stuff. So from that perspective, I definitely, obviously it's a ritual, 
Um, but it, it's very interesting. And as we've talked or, you know, you, it's out there in the ether, the conversations of like the dawning of the new age, right? The age of Aquarius, the, and we know, I think that us as people in the truth community, we know that this is different. You know, this is after COVID, everything changed and it accelerated at an incredible pace. So it just feels like a weird time, you know? So this is almost feels to me like harbor or like um, ushering in that new age a little the bit. Harbinger. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, Ashley and I often watch um, Really Graceful. You guys might be aware of that channel. She's, she's got some pretty good research. Um, she was, <laughs> I was just watching something this morning. She's going over Charlie, you know, kink Chuck. Um, and uh, he is descended from Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> what a surprise. The whole royal family. And I That's think that Jen, Jen was saying that he does not subscribe to the Vlad the Impaler heritage. So that's an interesting conversation um, in and of itself. Too, but. Yeah, look, who knows? It's very, very hard to trace. My mother does uh, genealogy. She's been doing it for over 50 years. And um, she's taught me quite a few things about the um, uncertainty of a lot of information. Uh, let's not even go into Ancestry.com. I mean, that thing sprung up. We all know why that's there. But even before that, you know, she used to use, um, you know, books. <laughs> Remember them? Microfish. Um, to get her information and um, it's very, really interesting. You've got to know a lot of stuff um, to be able to um, translate pretty much some of the old writing, you know, where they'll use F instead of S and stuff like that. Um, certain handwriting is really hard to read. Um, so, yeah, she's, she's shown me a lot of things. So it's very hard to trace, um, well, especially when, you know, I records get lost or burned or what have you. I think Charles has said that he's related to him before. I've heard the clip of him saying it and, and apparently hangs out at Vlad's castle or he did before he became King and hangs out there with a bunch of wayward teenagers, which is weird as well. I heard this both from Alex Jones, which, you know, Alex Jones is grain of salt, take it, but uh, Greg Reese works for Alex Jones and I trust him a little bit more than Alex, but uh, Greg Reese even had uh, Greg Reese had that clip whenever uh, when the Queen died. So, so I'm pretty sure that the the Vlad thing is true. I'm I'm messaging him now just to uh, ask to see if he happens to respond back, and I'll throw it out there if he writes back. Yeah, I mean the, the bloodlines of these people are extremely suspicious. You know, I mean they fully German bloodlines as well. I mean, it's not even their real names, what they use. Yeah. I'm not an expert. Uh, I don't want to sort of go into it Coburg, too deeply. But... Right. What's that? Goth Coburg, is that what it was? Something oh, like that. I couldn't remember. Oh. Yeah, I haven't got any notes in front of me. But <laughs> yeah. So, so if I can go back to uh, that idea of like this all being a bit on the occult side too, like just because it's entertainment doesn't mean it should be taken lightly, right? When I say it's a big show, that's not to imply it's not of significance and like has a certain weight and power. And yeah, I mean, you just watch it and you can see that it's they're 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 doing something magical, I'll say. Hundred percent. Yeah. I totally agree. Even all the little props that they have, um, 
they're not even fully understanding it, the Omen and Thurum and all that sort of thing. Um, the architecture itself, uh, the costumes, you know, you look at the detail of some of those costumes, that, you know, the devil is always in the details, whether it be the Pope or the monarchs. Well, um, and supposedly now he's in charge of the Anglican church as a result, right? I mean, I know uh, that King Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. As, oh, as, yeah, as, yes, as, uh, yes, yes, What's that, Ando? Church of England, I think. Right. Well, since uh, the Church of England is basically Catholicism, but the king is the pope, and that's because uh, Henry VIII wanted to get remarried. So, Yeah, he, he started the Church of England uh, to yeah get away from Catholicism so he could divorce his, what was it, seventh or eighth wife or something? The one he, like, she was lucky. <laughs> she kept her head. But, um, He's tired of killing them. <laughs> boring. Yeah. So I feel like what I've always been told, right? It's like, oh, the, the, the monarchy, the royalty, it's all just like, nobody takes it seriously. They're just what they, people describe them as like figureheads, right? It's a figurehead. It's like, well, yeah, but they also own like a shit ton of land. Like I heard they own the entire coastline. Of New Zealand is that is that correct? That would not surprise me one bit. I think they are the biggest landholders in the world. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but well, the ones we know about. Um, but in unfortunately, all the Commonwealth countries, they own crown land, which is all of the shorelines. Yep. Yeah, I was just about to bring up the fact that um, the monarchy does actually have some significance for the Commonwealth countries, which Australia is. Um, I don't really want to sort of get into that fully because I'm not 100% all over it, but um, I do know that, like, at the moment, um, we're about to go through another referendum, apparently. Um, just touching on this lightly because I'm still learning about it fully and I don't want to get it wrong. But um, the Indigenous people uh, here... Um, how can I say it quickly? There's a referendum being held to change our constitution, basically. And the way it's being presented is that the Indigenous... First Nations people are going to have, they're calling it the voice. So we're, they're going to have more of a voice in Parliament. So that's the way it's being presented and people, you know, which is the majority that don't go into any of these things or look into it past the headlines or the mainstream media. They just are presented with, oh, that's good. They should have more of a voice. Yes, they should. You know, so fair enough. So they'll go and vote yes because they think they're doing the right thing. However, um, basically... And I said, I'm still learning about this. Two days ago, I went to a rally, um, which was all about, which was primarily uh, driven by the Indigenous themselves, um, stating their case as to why they don't want it. They don't want it. Uh, they don't want the constitution changed. And I think, I think the gist is that they are sort of the, the last sovereign citizens. Um, they they haven't sort of, I, I get it, it's like they haven't taken up contract with this illegal corporation government that or that they call themselves a government. So they haven't entered into a contract with them. So once this thing if this thing goes through, that basically they enter into contract and that's when the whole big land stealing thing goes on. And that's pretty much what I've picked up so far, but um, I'm, there's a lot more to it than that. It's a very complex issue and I it's feel... very, very deceptive the way they're, they're driving it. Like they've had a huge think tank about this question, this one question that goes on the referendum to, you know, psychologically try to trap people into basically voting out of guilt i think you know the old emotion tool so i i feel like this idea of contract 
is at the heart of like all this. We're basically letting our lives be dictated by contracts that are decades, you know, millennia old sometimes. Some of these like it's law, you know, law, right? And I'm not I'm not a I don't know much about I don't know the Bible as good as I probably ought to. But I feel like I was just listening to some podcaster talking about um, how God was mad at like the first man made contract. Like, does anybody, does that ring a bell to anybody? But like. And God's been mad about a few things, I think. Um, Are you you talking about um, the Exodus or are you talking Old Testament? You must be. Yeah, I, uh, I, he was like mad Gen- about lots of I things. I think it was. I think it's in Genesis. I want to say it was like maybe Cain or Abel or like one of their Ooh, descendants. No, that that would be uh, Jacob and Esau. Hmm. Um, because uh, because yeah, uh, Jacob ripped off Esau for his birthright, basically. Just this idea of contract law and and like whether it's sort of a sin in a way. I don't know. You know, I don't know if there's something there, but. The the thing mm, that bothers that's interesting. me. I, yeah, haven't heard. That. Sorry. Uh, the thing that bothers me the most about that is that they were brothers and they could have come to an arrangement um, without that, you know. And that's it's it's really where all the conflicts we see today stem from. I think is is that split right there. But look at Cain and Abel. <laughs> Started way back. And Cain, I believe, built the first city or something. I should know this stuff. My mom's going to kill me if she ever listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I should know he this did. Stuff much uh, I tend to hang in the New Testament a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think he built the first uh, name city. There, there may have been earlier ones, but it's the first name city in the Bible. I don't know. It, like, it seems to me that all of us are kind of here. I don't know if everybody, you know identifies politically as an anarchist or not. I don't think it really matters at this point. Um, you know, I almost at times wonder if we're going into like a post post anarchism kind of philosophy, but we all like gut instinct kind of reject this imposed social contract. Right. And it seems like if we were to live as Christ taught, there wouldn't be a whole lot of need for contracts if, if people treated each other well, right? The contract is there to keep everybody from fucking each other over most of the time. Or the contract is written sneakily to fuck someone over, right? But either way, it's like it's like words on a paper that say, in perpetuity, this must stand, right? Yeah, I'd like to know who appointed themselves as the authority to make a contract. I mean, what the fuck? Who voted like, for that? I see the utility of it on a personal level, like doing business, right? But I, I run a business and I have I have a membership contract. And basically a lawyer guy I know, like just gave me something pretty basic to cover my own ass, um, legally speaking. But Basically, I don't even take it very seriously. Like I put them in the drawer and like what I do is I give what I promise. Right. 
And it's, it's not about the words on the paper for me. It's about keeping a good relationship with my clients. So like, it's, I don't know. I, I never felt like I needed that contract. I just felt like I needed a handshake and a, and a, like a clear understanding of the service. Right. But I guess when shit gets too big and too complicated, these things become necessary to keep it all together. And I think that's kind of like where I think maybe at a certain point it becomes sinful if it's, if it's, uh, you know, to that point of complexity. Well, yeah, uh, you can't have usury without contracts. So, uh, and usury is a sin. So there we go. Well, and it also makes me think of, you know, I know not everybody thinks the way I think. And, but my, my thing is, I understand the purpose of a contract because you don't know who you're dealing with from, you know, usually you don't know, you just have a, um, they, they happen across your business or whatever, but it just seems like it just contracts are kind of, um, counterproductive in that if you want to maintain your business, you're not going to be in the business of screwing people over. Um, if you want to be successful, you're going to go out of your way to do right by your customers. And it is precisely the reason that we have contracts that people are allowed to screw other people over. You know, it's like, like the free market. You know, if you make something that people have need of, have use of, you're going to have, and, and you do it right and you make it safe and usable, people are going to buy it. But if you're making a product that could potentially hurt people, um, you know, word of mouth gets around, you know, and if, if you're making something that hurts people, people are going to know because people will are more than happy to tell other people, Hey, I bought this product and it, it hurt me. And so it, it is, it is in the business owner's best interest to make a product that is good for other people that is useful. What and, do you think about, what do you think about this product? From sausage fingers to sausage. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So for the listener, it says how the sausage gets made inside Hollywood's prosthetic penis craze. Um, the funny thing about this article, who shared this? Was this, was this phytophiliac? No, this was Rob. I didn't do this. This was Don't Rob. put that on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Teledildonics. Teledildonics. He's in the business. That's the funny part. And actually, I heard on No Agenda like a couple shows ago, they have a listener that wrote in who is in this business as well, specifically the uh, prosthetic penises. Now, to be clear, these are not strap-ons, okay? I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm just trying to be clear. These are prosthetic flaccid dongs. But they're and not the she-we either. No, it's not a practical thing. It's a aesthetic thing it's a cosmetic thing yeah <laughs> it's an aesthetic thing and oh my god okay where to go where to go from here like my brain went and connected like five or six dots earlier about this whole thing right? yeah, you need you need saving um, I need, yeah i need to write it down <laughs> but I, I believe china is one of the biggest uh, outputs of prosthetics so they could be behind this <laughs> well the funny thing was okay so what what the person on no agenda said was that they were in this business like years ago and it was pretty niche and it was for like trans people. Okay. And it was very, very small, but 
they were commenting on the massive increase in sales since COVID began in this particular product. Um, so people I don't stay know. Home more, yeah. Do you mean? Yeah. Well, I guess people, people go and go and trans, you know, more, um, or yeah, just have, I don't know, having more access to more information. Like, I almost think there was a, a thing in the in the note about how TikTok had a effect on their sales. Like, I don't know if some you know Dylan Mulvaney uh, counterpart, right? The you know the opposite of Dylan Mulvaney as far as the trans you know transgender thing goes. Uh, somebody who doesn't have a dong but wants one, and um, puts a video out, and this product just goes crazy, right? Or it's like just part of the greater trend of more and more of this stuff. And we've talked about this stuff a lot, like on the show. The only reason I, I point this one out is because a, it seems silly and kind of fun and B what it did. It, it, it reminded me of a, a person, right? I was mentioning the based or bogus segment. And I think we should bring this person in because she was a groundbreaking individual and she's no longer with us. So this is a posthumous uh, based or bogus, but you're gonna have to give me a moment here. I got to get my link in order. She is incredible. Um, and she was the one who famously called Michelle Obama a trans. Andy, do you know who I'm talking about? Joan Rivers, base. yes, yes, yeah. I figured it's a it's a more rhetorical based or bogus as far as it's not really a question. She just is based. Um, shoot, I'm really she's she's not her. known for being nice, but that that's why she's based because she just straight tells everything. Right. <clears throat> Enough of the prosthetic dongs, but. You'll see the connection, right? I mean, it's obvious. She's, she, I, the question is, was she kidding or not, right? Was she kidding or not? But I don't really care about the joke about Joan River or about Michelle Obama. I just like everything I heard from this woman. Um, and I found this, this clip particularly interesting. Here you go. Wants to know on Twitter, how do you really feel about Donald Trump? I adore John. Do you know? Smart. Yes. No one gives him credit. I did celebrity credits. I thought, ah, Donald. Yeah. And right. then you go and you do celebrity apprentice and you realize this is so smart, so professional. I think he's terrific. I think he would have made a great president. Really? Because he would he, he's a businessman. He would have walked and said, okay, now what do we have to do? Right. All right, you do this, we'll do this, let's do it. He's, uh, he's, he's smart. You've always been cutting edge, which means something different in 2012 than it did in this clip when you were starting out in 1966. Take a look. A lot of people thought I wouldn't get married because um, I don't know how many of you here in show business, but um, it's very hard really to meet anybody in the business because everybody you meet is either married already or a dancer. And, um... <laughs> okay, so here's what gay. people were scandalized by your gay jokes in 1966. Scandalized. My first album was called uh, Mr. Phyllis and Other Stories. It was by my hairdresser and people said, Mr. Phyllis? 
does that mean he's a homosexual? Really? And it was so wild in those days and, to say and that. And you would say dancer as a euphemism. As a euphemism. For- I couldn't say pregnant. I was pregnant on the Ed Sullivan show, and I had to say, soon I'll hear the pitter-patter of little feet. Wow. I was like a house. Right. You know, my water broke, my dog drowned, and I still couldn't say. <laughs> I couldn't say I'm pregnant. Have you got? Have you? Have the Kennedy Center recognized you yet? I'm ready, am I? Nobody what? ever recognized. That's me. insane. No way. You are a legend. Yeah. You're an institution. Ne- yeah, That's... no way. They never will recognize me. Why do you think that? I'm too outrageous. Really? And I don't play the game, right. and I say what I think. You know right. that. Right, right, right. And I must have insulted everybody at one point. Right. You Do know. you, is there anyone that you've insulted that you wound up, you know, regretting saying it? No, because it's never meant to be mean, Andy. And I, I don't, it, it's, if you're telling Julia Roberts, who happens to get it, so right. I'm using Julia, right. no, let's go to Sarah Jessica Parker, yes. who I adore. Okay. Half Uh-oh. the time she looks like a million bucks, half the time she looks stupid. Okay. But I love her for that. Okay. Because okay. she takes the shot. Okay. So she doesn't get mad at this. Right. She what? knows fashion's fun. So she doesn't get mad at Okay, me take it. me out of fashion and talk about like the era of the Elizabeth Taylor fat jokes or or the Diana Ross is so thin jokes yes. and stuff like that. Elizabeth Taylor, I was the first one to do the fat. She couldn't get out of the goddamn car. Right. There was a picture of her trying to get out of a car at one okay. point. Okay. And so I mentioned that, you know, she had, she put herself in a yellow slicker and seven school kids tried to board her. And I said, you know, <laughs> but she was friendly with my friend, Ronnie McDowell. She's savage. I said, if it annoys her, I'll stop. Right. you don't want to hurt anybody, yes. for God's sakes. Right. And she said, tell your friend, Joan Rivers, it doesn't bother me where I live. There you go. Because she thought she right. was gorgeous. Did you hear from anyone ever who said, you got to stop, this is killing me? Willie. Uh, Willie, Willie, Nelson? uh, Willie Nelson's daughter. Okay. I used to do it. He was such a, he still is. Pothead. Pothead. And he used to urinate out the windows. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, he was a country right. guy. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, so I said he wore a roach motel around his neck. And, uh, so, and uh, she wrote me a letter saying they're laughing at me in school. Oh. Came out of the act. And that done. My, right. They had to make a little girl be unhappy. Wow. You know, so you don't, you don't have to hurt anybody. Right. But if you're making $25 million a movie and I don't like your dress, that's not tragic. Yeah, right. I love her, okay? I fucking love this woman so much. She's brilliant. Brilliant. <sighs> yeah, so... But of course, I after. Well, okay, so I think she embodies what I hope is the spirit of the WTF forum, first of all. Like, we are not here to hurt anybody with our words. We're here for a purpose. And, you know, I don't I don't think it's in this clip or any that I'll share, but I heard her say on one of, I watched a bunch of her stuff. You know, I like to do this. I like to pick one celebrity and really, like, just try to figure out if I can figure out who they are, right? And I think Joan Rivers wears herself on her sleeves. Like, she is who she is. No bullshit. And... She never wants to hurt people, but she'll take a shot, right? She'll shoot at you if she thinks you can handle it, right? And if if there's something funny to be said, but I think she was very, very akin to like George Carlin, where she was always kind of had her, she had her thumb on the pulse of society. And like, I don't know, like she was always cutting edge. She was making jokes about like gay folks that weren't hurtful, 
Uh, but back in like the 60s, she was making jokes and using dancers as a euphemism, referring to male dancers uh, because you couldn't say homosexual or you know gay or anything on TV. So she was like ahead of the curve on everything, you know? Totally. She wasn't she was not about to play the game in any way, shape or form. And she's been in it for a long time. So she's seen a lot of stuff and she knows a lot of people and she's probably been invited to a lot of interesting parties. But um yeah, she was uh yeah, very very similar to George Carlin in my mind as well. I'd agree with that. So and, uh, they're both no longer with us, are they? Monica Perez, shout out Monica, did is the first person that I ever <clears throat> heard bring this up and pause it that she was taken out for what she said about Michelle Obama. Um, so that's one thing. And then another interesting thing about her is that I thought I had heard that the show Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is based or at least loosely based on Joan Rivers. Um, and it's actually a really, it's a really good show. And um, I don't know if anyone here knows anything about that. I was just going to ask if you did, but it's, it's a cool story, you know, and I agree like to, for some, there is such Liberty in being able to be a, a creative genius in the way that she was, but B to be a kind and caring person, but to also be an absolute savage. I mean, it's just, it's really, it's special. It's a special combination that she had. It's a fine line. And I think the, um, the way she gets away with it is because she always speaks truth. <laughs> oh, did. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I struggle with all the computer stuff, so forgive me. But yes, this is what we need to know about her death. Joan Rivers, one of the doctors reportedly conducted an unauthorized procedure on her and then took a selfie in the operating room. CBS 2's Don Champion has more on this. Nearly two weeks after the death of Joan Rivers, we're learning more about what led to her going into cardiac arrest. It happened after a tiny camera was used to look at the 81-year-old's vocal cords here at Yorkville Endoscopy on the Upper East Side. Now CNN reports Rivers stopped breathing when her personal doctor, who hasn't been named, performed an unauthorized biopsy on Rivers' vocal cords while she was still under anesthesia. It's a hot meal. She puts a little Ben Gay on the sandwich. I mean Sources tell the network the biopsy took place after the authorized Dr. Lawrence Cohen performed an endoscopy on Rivers looking for possible digestive issues. During the procedure, he reportedly found something. Even more shocking, CNN also reports that staffers told investigators that Rivers' personal doctor was seen taking selfies while the entertainer was under anesthesia. The network reports Rivers' doctor was not authorized to do a biopsy and was not certified to operate at the office where the procedure was being done. At some point, Rivers' vocal cords reportedly started to swell, cutting off her oxygen, leading to cardiac arrest. Last week, we learned Dr. Cohen was no longer performing procedures at Yorkville Endoscopy. He's also no longer serving as medical director in the office. On the Upper East Side, Don Champion, CBS 2 News. And it is that uh, name Cohen, that's, is that a really, really common name over there? coincidence <laughs> yeah there's a few uh it means in priest and in, Holly in hollywood <gasps> scene there's a, a lot of them hang on did you just say it means priest it means priest if you look it up it means priest 
Oh, my Lord. You know, the thought that I had when we were watching that was the fact that there was a biopsy done on her vocal cords. That, to me, is so ritualistic. They wanted to shut her up. No shit. Did I just, did I just say the bleeding obvious? <laughs> yeah, you, you said the sorry. quiet thing out loud. I oh, mean, sorry. come on. Oh, <laughs> man. No, it's, th- no, thank you. No, you, this is what this forum does. This is our work. Because I didn't know any of that. I didn't know Cohen meant priest. I didn't know, you know, I figured they were trying to shut her up by basically killing her or whatever. But unauthorized, unauthorized procedure? Yeah, yeah. You would be actually surprised to find out just how much um, doctors do while people are under anesthesia. It's, um, It's actually pretty common. And... They're actually talking about making um, making it illegal. It's already illegal in um, numerous states, but there are some states where it is perfectly legal for the doctor to do um, unauthorized exams on you while you're under anesthesia that you didn't initially sign up for. How, how does that how does that not violate you know? Holy yep. mama, that's that's very, very unnerving. Yeah. I just don't want to ever go near a hospital ever again. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, what? I mean, I thought we had uniform or uh, informed consent like rights. I'm know? gonna see if I can find it. Hold on. Do I'm not harm. Yeah, I mean what whatever <laughs> happened to the Hippocratic <laughs> Oath? Did we ever cover how they gave a new version of the Hippocratic Oath? Yeah, that's been around for a while, actually. Um, It doesn't mean what people think it means anymore. Well, it was all like equity and inclusion shit, the one I saw. Probably. Um, It has altered, it has has morphed over time. And everybody thinks that when a doctor is uh, licensed and they get their degree and they take their oath of of medicine that they... um, that it includes the words first do no harm. The words first do no harm have not appeared in um, the the Hippocratic Oath in quite a while. So, wow. yeah, it's it's not there. They don't say first do no harm. That's not in there. I think um, they added I'm a clause, uh, the... something to, the... yeah, they, they added a clause, uh, do what thou wilt, I believe. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can find this article. Oh, that's satanic. <laughs> Yeah, that's Crowley. For the first time in VPNS history, an oath has been written by the entering class to take at the white coat ceremony. The writing for this oath was facilitated by upper class students and faculty, and the oath is found at your seat in your program. The class wrote the oath to reflect the values they wish to uphold as they enter their medical training. And I'm thinking of the words of our speaker today. You know, I, I didn't realize these students wrote it themselves, which makes it even more horrifying, right? Oh, the masks. Yeah, right. They invite all physicians in attendance to join them in the recitation of the oath if they so choose. Class, please stand. In our profession, it is a custom established more than 2,000 years ago to articulate and commit to our guiding values influenced by both the past and present before accepting the privilege of caring for our fellow humans 
as students of medicine, please join me. We enter the profession of medicine with appreciation for the opportunity to build on the scientific and humanistic achievements of the past. We also recognize the acts and systems of oppression affected in the name of medicine. We take this oath of service to begin building a future grounded in truth, restoration, and equity to fulfill medicine's capacity to liberate. I make this pledge to myself, my classmates, and future colleagues, and the individuals and communities I will serve. I acknowledge that my role is to inform my patients, accompanying them in moments of wellness and vulnerability, and respect their privacy and autonomy while empowering them to flourish. I promise to take care of my future patients by engaging in dialogue, listening to their lived experience, and tailoring my recommendations to their unique circumstances. Oh my God. Right. Oh, that's rich. Cause oh, they, yeah. that's, they, they completely did not do any of that <laughs> during the whole COVID pandemic. They did not take into consideration the person's lived experience and tailor their recommendations. They told you, I'll get your shots or get the fuck out. Now compare that oath with the original, which uh, the original Hippocratic oath they promise to respect yeah. and support their teachers, share medical knowledge with others who are interested, use their knowledge of medicine and diet to help patients, avoid harming patients, including providing no deadly medicine, even if required, requested to do so, not provide a remedy that causes an abortion, seek help from other physicians, such as a surgeon when necessary, avoid mischief, injustice, and sexual relations during visits to patient homes, and keep patient information confidential. Now, does that sound anything like what they just made an oath to? Does any of that sound <laughs> even related to it? <laughs> they had the, the usual inversion. Yeah. yeah. This is when they were giving people remdesivir and sticking breathing tubes down their throat when they didn't need them. Yes, exactly. Never mind the old jabby jab. I mean, it's it it's a crime. It is an unfathomable unfathomable crime against humanity what they did and yeah. honestly sometimes if i pause and i think about it it just will make me insane all over again yeah i, I still can hardly believe that what we've been through and what we're still going through but but in reality really i mean there's so many other jabs that were, have been mandated for years so uh, this is what it took for us to kind of take notice but we should have been up in arms about this a long time ago whatever it takes and you know it's it's really frustrating to me because you know i i was right there it was happening right in front of me the last two three years um i was working in with nursing home patients i was directly working with the nurses and i even worked uh part-time outside of my full-time job as um helping out with the nursing home and i've told this story a few times but um i guess you know more time more the merrier but um you know, I was working part-time at a nursing home helping out as a CNA. Even though I am a nurse, I was working in the to help the CNAs out because they were so shorthanded. And I was picking these people up. I was cleaning them up. I was changing them. I was feeding them. And the, the widespread lockdowns of the nursing homes, I think, was far more detrimental than people really want to understand. And they talk about how the lockdowns affected people in the community, but nobody ever really talks about what the lockdowns did to these elderly people in the nursing homes. We had 
so many of them that just basically willed themselves to death because they were locked up in their rooms all day for, and they weren't allowed to come out or they were told they couldn't come out. And they had entire hallways of nursing homes just shut, uh, locked up so that because they had so many of them test positive, they're like, well, everybody in this hall is going to get it. So we might as well lock the whole hallway up. And only one or two or three staff members were allowed in. And the staff members had to go out the outside doors to exit the building. They couldn't come back in through the regular doors into the rest of the building. And it was it was really horrible to watch these old folks. They didn't they, they couldn't do anything about it. You know, they yeah, had to, yeah. they had to do as they were told because they their families couldn't bring them yeah, home to take care of them. Thing. That's why they were in the nursing home to begin with. And it was really, really sad to watch. And I wish more people understood the reason we lost as many nursing home patients as we did was because of the lockdowns. It's the reason we had riots, too. Yeah, yeah I fully agree. And. Tying it back to Joan Rivers. I think Joan Rivers is going to be my anchor for the rest of this episode because all the topics relate. And her husband killed himself. And she she has openly acknowledged that she was nearly suicidal at different times. And she has been open about the difficulties with, you know, a lot of things. Like, she is a very real person. You know, and I think she was threatening to the establishment for a whole host of reasons. Makes me wonder about Dan Carlin. You know, I think he died of cancer, if I'm not mistaken, but it was a bad type of cancer. And who knows? Who knows? You know, like these people were too switched on for their own safety. Did you mean uh, George Carlin? Yeah, did I say Dan Carlin? He's a podcaster. Yeah. George Carlin. Oh, okay. I meant. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I wasn't aware of um, Joan Rivers. Well, I'd forgotten maybe it was in there somewhere, but yeah, Joan Rivers' husband committing suicide. When was that and what were the circumstances? Do you know? Um, it was when she had her late night show, I believe, or her sitcom. I'm not sure which. But he had like a nervous breakdown in the set, like during a shooting day. And the director or whoever was in charge basically said, you're no longer welcome on set. Like you're banned from the set. You know, he had some issues, I guess he had a, yeah, he had a nervous breakdown or a panic attack or something, but like he loved Joan rivers and he cared for her and like, she stuck by him, you know, like, and apparently that caused a total tailspin kind of scenario. And he ended up killing himself, you know, in a, hotel room and and Joan I remember now she told she said in one of her interviews that she had a gun in her hand and was about to do it but her little Yorkie jumped up on her lap and she figured well if I go who's going to take care of you you know wow yeah I did not know that tragic life hard to be a comedian when you're carrying that much sort of she said well, she how said, she deals with it, I guess. She might have been quoting somebody else, but she also said, you know, enough tra- if tragedy sticks around long enough, it becomes comedy. Hmm. Interesting. So I've got I've got the end of a very interesting short documentary about Joan Rivers. Um and I'm just gonna play the last 
few minutes, but this is worth a watch. It's called The Real Joan Rivers Story. On You can get it on YouTube. Um, but, golly. Well, here, I guess, given what we just talked about, we'll show her accepting her one and only Emmy, which I found interesting. Again, I, I watched like a bunch of her interviews. If you If you want to just spend an afternoon listening to Joan Rivers, because I recommend it. But she talks about how that Emmy is the only thing they can't take from her, which I found an interesting kind of way of saying something. And she was basically canceled. Like she, she was unhirable for like 10 years or something for God knows what reason. It's not like she mm. fucked up, but well, I, maybe it was after her husband's suicide or something, but she said, you know, in one of these interviews, like I said, they can't take that from me which I just found really interesting. It's almost like she knew she was being threatened. Yeah, it's like she's saying they've taken everything else, but they mm -hmm. can't take that. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. totally. So here we go. That was Bill Donahue. Yeah. <laughs> he was prematurely removed from television. What's what's <laughs> up with Phil Donahue? Uh he was a little too based and yeah. And so you don't he he was taken off television before his show had really run its course, you know. Wow. Um kind of like what we're seeing with Tucker now, but mm. maybe to a lesser extent. Yeah. Proceed. Sorry. Do you have any more there, Ando, or are you good? No, I said proceed. So Proceed. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking over it because there was no words. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. Um, uh, I always had a fantasy, you know, as a child that I'd win one of these, and uh, I never thought I'd be the soul when the fantasy came true, but here it is. And... Uh, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to win. I'm not being cute. Um, so I have no speech prepared, especially I know the red light's on, so I have to hurry to my daughter, Melissa, because uh, the last two years have been very difficult. Two years ago, I couldn't get a job in this business. I could not get a job. My income dropped to one sixteenth of what it was before I was fired. And people said I wouldn't work again. And my husband, as you know, had a breakdown. It's, it's so sad that he's not here because it was my husband, Edgar Rosenberg, who always said, you can turn things around and except for one terrible moment in a hotel in Philadelphia when he forgot that this is really him because he was with me from the beginning and I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's laughter, which I, my dad was a doctor. And he always said laughter really, this is before they've now proven this, laughter actually physically heals you. He used to say your, your spleen touches your liver and your liver touches your, your, uh, your stomach and your stomach touches your, your, your who knows what. You know, it giggles and jiggles. And it, everyone gets a massage and that's good. And I know when you laugh, you're happy even for that second. And so when Melissa was going back to school, it was three weeks after my husband's suicide, I did jokes. And I did jokes in front of the kids to let them know that it was okay to laugh with her, to let them know that she was 
happiest, obviously, when she was black. This is basic, stupid stuff. When I have to take care of my, take care of yourself first. Get yourself. You're muted, Mike. I thought I heard somebody. I thought I heard somebody else trying to talk, but is it just me or is this only coming through on one side of the headphones? You I bet. can hear it. Okay. Well, I'm getting both sides. Weird. Um, so, okay. I thought somebody had something to say there. I apologize. I'll just play it out. It's almost, well, you'll see the point. Stuff out of your own problems. Then worry what society thinks. Forget your manners. Did you know all trouble. of this? I'm still paying my dues. I still, uh, where I've been up and down in the book. I've been up and down three times yeah. and I keep saying, okay, I'll do it again. And each time it gets a little more frightening because you're a little older. You know, when you're paying your dues at 21, it's yeah, cute. Right. When you wake up and you're 55, it's not so cute. And when you wake up the last time at 60, it's terrifying. 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 But then you say, I did it at 55. Yeah. I can do it again. That anybody can get through. Don't ever think I can't do it. Because if you go, go into a room one day, seriously, and everybody said to them, was there ever a time when you felt, I can't get through this, God? Everybody will have a story. And yet you're all sitting around that room. Right. Also know the good things in life. Oh, you know talk about a gratitude. You do a lot of lists. Lists. Gratitude. You said write a gratitude list. You have indoor that plumbing. <laughs> that sounds so basic. You, you can flush a toilet in your house. Doesn't it? Well, it's wonderful. You've got shoes. Everyone in this room I'm looking at now, it's got shoes. This is basics. We're, we're healthy. How wonderful to wake up in the morning and everything is moving. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize that until you get something chronic. If you go, oh, I was so lucky. I never appreciate it. Appreciate it now. Ding dong. Yeah. Opportunity. Opportunity. Uh, make your own. There's no big daddy out there. Nobody cares about you. Nobody's going to help you unless your dad owns the company. <laughs> if I had been a man, it would have been much, a much easier time. Uh, they just weren't ready to hear things come out of a woman's mouth. You can't say that. You say, would you say that to Robin Williams? Would you say this, that to Richard Pryor? No, then why are you saying that to me? But perhaps I wanted seven years of struggle. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have wanted seven years of ketchup soup. I wouldn't have wanted seven years of sneaking out of windows when you bombed or not being paid and waiting for, for, for checks that never came. But I'm, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I paid my dues. A girl, a girl, you're 30 years old. You're not married. You're an old maid. A man, he's 90 years old, he's not married, he's a catch. It's a whole different thing. And through her own will and determination, she became the most celebrated female comic of her time. As a child, I was like, one day I'll be in Hollywood, one day I'll be in Hollywood, I'll, I'll, I'll be a star. And then suddenly there you are in cement, and that's wonderful. Also now when people spit on me, I don't have to be there. <laughs> and the last word is hope. The human spirit it's such a cliche but there's always hope there's always hope if you can say to yourself i'm alive i have no hope you have hope because you're alive mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's the human spirit that always prevails always prevails and it does get better you know that it just does get better oh wow that's um thanks for playing that i really didn't okay i'm joan rivers got a call Sorry. Sorry about that. 
That's right. I didn't realize she had such depth. She she was a very wise woman, and um, I could yeah. particularly relate to her comment about the flushing toilet because I have lived without a flushing toilet and no electricity and mm. nothing for a couple of years at a time. It's like, yep, yeah, I am grateful every day for a flushing toilet. So. Yeah, that's that something time. you and I, we have that in common. I, I used a five-gallon <laughs> bucket for about two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. weren't pregnant. <laughs> Holy smokes, well, I, I was not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, you never know these days, you know. Can you imagine, though, that the thought I had watching her, can you imagine what she'd be saying if she was alive right now? No, not really, sort of, but she would have been censored. She'd be dead a number of times. Well, I was thinking about that also because in one of the clips it showed her with Kathy Griffin, right? So it's very weird to me to see this sort of like remnants of an old guard funny. I'm not saying that Kathy Griffin is like super funny, but she was in the same timeline as when like SNL was still funny, right? You still had other old guard comics who were actually funny out there. So, and Joan Rivers was like friends with her, you know, and now these people are completely unhinged. Like I have no problem if you are making jokes and you're hating on Donald Trump or whatever, but it never used to be like that. Like comics would make fun of the president, whoever it was, but now they totally have subscribed hook, line, and sinker to we don't criticize Joe Biden. We don't bring up Hunter Biden laptop. We don't talk about the Clintons. We don't talk about the COVID nonsense. Like that was never a thing. And so I think yeah, I, I was having that exact same thought. I was like, she was friends with Kathy Griffin and Kathy Griffin has lost it, you know? And I, I don't know. I, I was wondering the same thing. I sure hope that she wouldn't have fallen for all this shit and, and wouldn't have gone woke. I don't feel like she would have um, because she seemed so convicted to be true to herself and to say, um, you know, to speak about what reality actually is, you know? So I, I hope she wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, like I said, I just went with my gut on this one, just like I did with my Steven Seagal episode, which ladies, if you haven't li listened to, it's a trip. Like literally I was, on mushrooms um but <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of people who can't take criticism <laughs> well, wait a minute I, I i said that steven seagal's based and he is the only linear male there is uh by the way though uh what i was gonna say about joan rivers i know i gave her base but i i don't know how she would be if she was reacting to what we just dealt with the last three years mm -hmm. um mainly because, you know, we were expecting Jordan Peterson to come out of his coma or whatever drug-induced thing that he had and be totally for us. And he came back and what did he do immediately? Injected. And then, you know, he started chasing shekels after that. Well, maybe, maybe we're lucky to have, like, uh, heroes that were gone before people went stupid like – George Carlin and like Joan Rivers, whose reputations weren't sullied by the nonsense. You know, you would hope that they would have been based throughout. And there's a thing about comedians where I think of all people, they they're so used to the criticism that they're more willing to take that risk. Right. 
There are two comedians that I know of who did not fall for it. Well, I guess technically three. So the number one is uh, Big Bear. You know what? He was calling it out from day one. Owen Benjamin, say what you will about that man. Sometimes he gets on my fucking nerves, but that he was good on. Um, Jim Brewer. Also, not buying it in a less aggressive way. He was, you know, he's a little less off-putting. Oh, Tripoli, okay. And then uh, Rob Schneider was also questioning, even though he's not, I, I didn't before think of him as a traditional stand-up, but I guess he actually is. And he's definitely out there touring now. He just posted that he did six sold-out shows in Chicago. Uh, oh, Dave Smith, too. Yeah. Joe Rogan. Hmm. Are we skeptical? Yeah. Oh, I'm 100% skeptical. And I remember right when this started, he had somebody on who was talking about how bad COVID was going to be. And that's one thing that Owen Benjamin called out. He was like, you know what? Joe knew this entire time and he went along with it for a very long time. Like he was acting scared of COVID. Um, and he I think he's would- just not. I think he's genuinely not like the smartest guy. He like was unconvinced on all things. But maybe I'm just making excuses. I think he did more to legitimize questioning the narrative than darn near anybody. So I'll give him credit where credit's Mm -hmm. due on that. He did it in a soft kind of way, which I think was sort of his style. Um, he, He almost intentionally stayed right in the middle until he felt more comfortable being like, I, cause I mean, what he didn't get the jab. He, he talked about how there were a thousand other things you could do to protect yourself. Right. You know, I mean, I was glad for at least that part. Uh, I consider him to be a gatekeeper of, uh, of what is the, the new mainstream corporate press, which is what I consider him to be like mm. actually the head of that, you know, and I'm, but I'm willing to have a good faith discussion. It's not, like I'm a hater of Joe Rogan. I used to sure. be a big fan, but then after these past uh, several years, I actually did decide that I, I do think he's, I think he's compromised um, at least somewhat. Now it could be compromised in a simple way of like, well, I know where my bread is buttered, meaning mm-hmm. I'm not going to shit on Spotify because they're paying me a hundred million dollars. Um, it's possible that it's just that, but to, to for me i at least consider that it's possible that it's more than that um yeah i think i think that description you just gave was absolutely perfect um i think that he you know we've sort of discussed this a little bit recently but it's more probably like he's just got to follow certain bounds like you can basically do what you want just don't go over this line or outside that bit you know like um so somebody's sort of obviously steering the 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 ship but uh don't pull a kanye Oh, that was pretty insane, wasn't it? Bingo. I mean, but that that is true. I'm there, are still things, for him. you do not you do not say, um, mm-hmm. even you know, and that's what happened to Owen Benjamin. Assuming that Owen is who he says he is, and he isn't part of controlled opposition, which this is a conversation that we talk about a lot. Like, oh well, I'm questioning: are they controlled up? Are they controlled up? Are they controlled up? But at a certain point, it doesn't really fucking matter. You take the information, you use your own personal discernment to decide where you're going to get good information. If it's good for you, if it is engaging to you, if it 
is teaching you, then take it. Who the fuck cares? You know, it exists. Um, and that in and of itself is a victory. So I think that there's that piece of it. But anyway, um, if Owen is real, then even though I, he's a huge pain in my ass sometimes to hear him just like going on and on and on and on. It's like, okay, we got it. Shut the fuck up. But he, he, he sacrificed. He left LA. He doesn't do tours. He doesn't have a hundred million dollar Spotify contract, you know, like he paid a true price and is an example of what happens if you don't toe the line. So let me just make an argument, right? Cause I actually think, okay. I said earlier that like maybe Joe isn't the smartest. I think he's, he's smart in his own way. And I think if he did anything that was smart, it was towing the line of cancellation very, very carefully, you know, because I think he was smart enough to recognize if I, if I don't say anything too, too bad, I can have more of a positive general impact, right? Instead of being Mr. Principal, I'll be the guy who will let other people talk all day long, ask the questions, maybe pretend to be a moderate while in reality being like a libertarian of sorts. I mean, I know he claims to be liberal, but throughout COVID, I think he was pretty consistent at like saying exactly what you said about take in the information, make the best decision for yourself. You know, nobody should be forced. And um, I actually think he's, I, you know, I, I, I debate myself at times about Joe, right? Because of certain people he's had on and blah, blah, blah. But like he had Dave Smith on this past week. And who else has given Dave Smith a platform like that, you know? He's a force to be reckoned with. And the fact that he is so powerful um, is just, you know, says alone that he's, he's not making these decisions. He's very, very carefully advised, you know, for litigation, not only that, but also for towing the confirmed line. Um, <clears throat> because, yeah, I mean, the guy is super, super powerful. So, yeah, they're not going to leave him alone to run his own show. Um, but, yeah, I think he's, he's pretty smart. His advisors are very smart the way they've, they've steered this. I'd love to think that um, he's more sort of on the side of good, which I'm sure he is. He mm-hmm. seems like that, but, you know. There's a lot of deception around the last days. So. Yeah, for sure. I would agree with that, though. I, I do think that overall, like, I I think he's done a lot for people to call bullshit on a lot of things, even if it wasn't as much, um, but as I would have liked to have seen. But I also think that he's done a lot for people in terms of natural health to waking up to like, you can do a lot of supplementing that you're missing this in your diet. There are other options out there to you besides, you know, the food pyramid that we're talked to about, or like a doctor as, as uh, Fido was saying, you know, they're supposed to guide you in that, but we know that they don't, we know that they're totally clueless because they want lifetime customers. They don't want you to be well. And if they helped you to fix your diet, then you would more likely be well. So I think that Joe's done a lot in that, a lot in the other like alternative wellness, you know, uh, that we, that wasn't as popular beforehand, sauna, uh, cold plunge, you know, all that stuff. So I would say that I think overall, I do think he's been, um, a, a net positive in that regard. 
you know, I think the moment I decided I trusted him was when he called, was it Dr. Sanjay Gupta? Uh, when he called him a motherfucker on his yeah. podcast, <laughs> literally to his face. I loved that. It, he did it so playfully, but he did it. I'm going to have to catch that episode. Oh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good moment. He held his feet to the fire. He really did. The, the hill he was willing to die on was being called a horse medicine eater you know like calling it horse paste he goes he goes i can afford people medicine motherfucker you know and i'm like oh ho, 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 nice boy. i'm like the gauntlet was thrown down dude like because it was such bullshit like there there was a good case to be made for both the safety and efficacy of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and they wanted to kill that and he's like, fuck you. And I loved it. I loved it. I'm like, this dude is playing 4D chess, whether people recognize it or not. I think he he has to keep the platform that he has. Otherwise, you know, the war is not lost, but like he's he's fighting the spiritual. I think he's fighting the spiritual battle with us, you know. Yep. I'm not going to pick on Rogan specifically because I just, I, I, I don't know, but I, I have a bit of a theory um, that some of these people, I, I, I sort of call them Pied Pipers because I feel like Russell Brand's another one. Um, I feel that, uh, I mean, they, they put their, they, they grow exponentially really fast while heaps of other people are being censored. So that's one little giveaway. There's mm. a lot of little giveaways I've noticed. <laughs> some of them sound a bit silly, but they're consistent. But um, yeah, just that, the way they grow and then they've you know got these massive audiences they've got a lot of push a lot of power um and they have to present good information and truth because otherwise it's just going to get caught out straight away aren't they people won't just be rejected they won't have any power um but i think it's sort of like well people get comfortable with them and then they sort of don't take quite as much they might miss things that are thrown in you know what i mean like people are so comfortable and trusting of this person they tend to overlook certain things and they might go, oh, that's a bit strange, but then just move on. Whereas if they were being more objective, like watching a Yuval Noah Harari clip or something, um, you'd be listening to every word, just, you know, criticising everything. Um, so I think that's sort of part of the deception and it's also part of what I've been wondering lately about the alternative news and where what is the next step for us, like in the sense of, um, um, you know, mainstream media is sort of being exposed now, and but that's a, like a really obvious deception whereas the alternative media is sort of so infiltrated some of it and we're, we're trying to figure out who's who and who's legit and who works for mm -hmm. what. It's um, so much more deceptive and I, I do, I'm not, I don't want to use the word fear, but I'm a little concerned um, about where it's all going to go because we're going to have quite a lot of you know, podcasts and alternative news is going to have a lot of power um, once people start turning off the mainstream. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, is mainstream um, media ever going to be turned off? <laughs> I, I did want to chime in there because this is something that we talk about, uh, you know, on our own time, a, a fair amount we discussed. So, and Owen Benjamin brought this up, you know, he said, do you see it? You see that Rogan, Russell Brand, Tim Pool, Tucker, it's the pipeline, right? So like one of them are talking about something, they're all talking about it. So with, if that is the case yeah. and they have so much reach and they are allowed to be out there, which we know that they are, 
then that is at least something for us to consider. And I'm not saying that I hate everything that Russell Brand says or Joe Rogan says or whatever. And Stella knows, like, I'm a Tucker simp. Tucker's my favorite propagandist. Do I think that Tucker is controlled? <laughs> yes, obviously. Like, we know that. But but he's fun you know, to watch. He is fun, fun to watch. watch. He's fun to watch. And when I, you know, uh, when I would catch him on a clip on YouTube or whatever, I would be like, Tucker's fucking base. I don't, you know, mm. at a point, you, I feel like we just take what we can take from these guys and then we, you know, we're like, yeah, I, I do think you're controlled up. And one thing about Joe that really did piss me off is because I thought it's so fucking obvious. These shots are dangerous and you fucking know it and you're not calling them out for what they are. And no. he even had McCullough on that episode when he, when it finally, he was, it, that was when the worm turned for him, so to speak, when he had on McCullough and Malone, like back to back. And that was really what shot those guys to superstardom, although they had kind of been in the movement already. Um, but when he, even Dr. McCullough told him about uh, the book that was written by Dr. Peter Bregan that was, um, gosh, I cannot remember the exact name. It was like COVID-19 and the predator class or something to that effect that he was telling him about. And still Joe did not snap allegedly to the fact that this is a top down. It's coming from these fucking people and they fucking planned it and you fucking knew it, you know? So that was annoying for me. But again, I'm not saying that I don't think these guys have, have positive. And I think that like what Stella is saying, I almost feel like part of killing the credibility of the mainstream was intentional because having this huge alternative movement in news is part of the divide and conquer narrative. Are you a Tim Pool, Tucker, Russell Brand guy, or are you a CNN guy? You know, so it's Young like Turks. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like having that is a lot more about the divide and conquer narrative. Like, oh, you listen to Tucker. So I can automatically dismiss what you're saying and call you a kook and a, a racist and a right wing conspiracy nut mm -hmm. and whatever. So it's a it's set up as a nice little package um, to to minimize what we're saying and what we're talking about. You know, it makes me think. It makes me think that the best news could be shit like this, right? Grassroots shit, bottom of the barrel shit. No offense to us, but you know, like the whole for me, the idea behind the WTF forum was always like, how cool would it be if there were 20 or 100 happening simultaneously, right? Like different groups, different people, different expertise, and like a network that loosely connects all these different forums, right? And it's completely voluntary. Every time I turn around, there's I'm learning about a new podcast that's been out for months or years that somebody's been doing. They've been talking about all the stuff that's been going on, and it's like there's so many of them out there. It's like there's there's no ignorance is is a choice in this day and age now. You know, the information's out there. And if you're not willing to look at it, then I honestly don't know what to tell you because it's it's plainly yeah. right there. It's all well, over the place. Is, truth is out there, Scully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, uh, you've totally hit a nail up sore point at the moment. I had this um, conversation with my, oh, she's not going to hear this, my neighbor yesterday. 
and um, it was just the epitome of ignorance. Um, I'd, I'd just come back from this rally um, about the Indigenous and realised how fucking important this referendum is because I knew it was kind of important but I hadn't really looked into it. Then when I went and found out some more details, it's like, fuck, you know. Now, I only brought it up with my neighbour because she brought up um, a topic about... Uh, we are talking about titles... Um, land valuation, because we all just got our land valuations here. So we were sort of talking about that, and then she's, she sort of brought up something, blah, blah, uh, property, you know, as long as I got my property. And so then I brought up this thing about, well, do you know much about this referendum that's coming up? And um, basically, yeah, she just knows everything from watching the ABC, which is the government-run um, channel here on free-to-air TV, so it's not even cable or anything. Uh, so that's where she gets all her information. And, of course, you know, they've just held debates which are, you know, carefully selected people. Um, and the Indigenous themselves are saying, yeah, look, the Indigenous who are involved in this, like their pockets are just being lined with millions and millions of dollars. You know, I mean, you can't imagine how they could sell out their own country, but they, they're, that's apparently what's happening. Either way, getting back to the neighbour, um, yeah, so it was like, this is really important. And she's going, oh... Well, you know, the ABC said this, and I said I, I realised she was on the other side. She was she was purely thinking, oh, this is going to be great. The Indigenous will get more of a voice, and what have you. And uh, so I, I was trying to gently say, oh, it's it's not actually quite how it is. Anyway, got getting down to the nuts and bolts of it is, I just said to her, look, um, can I send you a just a twenty minute um, talk uh, that'll sort of bring you into the, the knowledge. You know, you've got to make informed decisions. So this really sort of spells it out pretty well. Oh, no, I won't look at that. Okay. Can I send you a website? There's just one page. I just want you to read. No, I don't think. Can I send you oh, a graphic? While you're sending it, sell <laughs> it. Uh, send it to Mike. Mike, give her a connection on, on how to send it. Uh, turn on your you're mic. You're muted. Mike. <laughs> I forget. I forget I'm muted. Um is there – you can see that there's a private chat, right, or that there's a little <laughs> button for it? Oh, she's on uh, an yeah. iPad. Um, uh, it's a little if bit If you send it to me in itself. Discord, uh, what, do you, you what did you want? Discord, like... uh, the 20-minute uh, thing that I was talking about. Mm. Mm. Oh, I don't know. It was on Telegram, so if I can, if I can oh, find you can, it elsewhere. If, oh. you're, if you're on the WTF forum – Hey, uh, Telegram here. Well, what's no, your name on Telegram, Mike? Just give her your name on Telegram. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> is it Sounds Mike like the we're... Polymath or Mike Easy Peasy? Which one is it? Like, uh, dude, just I wish I could give me a few it. minutes. I'll see if I can find a YouTube. Um, I think there's a YouTube link Ooh. as well. So okay. just give me a few minutes. You, you guys carry on and I'll... Yeah, uh, and send you, it. you can tag uh, him in the Discord, Stella. Or or send it to Mike the Polymath oh, okay. yeah, yeah. on All Telegram. Right. Yeah. I am Mike the Polymath. Okay, um, Mike the Polymath on Telegram. Uh, by the way, they did that in the United States as well with our indigenous people. Um, I, I wish Rob was here to talk about it because they the they were paid out like crazy, and uh, and I'm a truck driver, and some of the truck stops are on reservations, and they were pushing this whole thing harder than anybody, and they did it longer than everybody else. And since Rob's from New Mexico, he has better details on that. But I asked him about that when uh, I don't think we recorded that. We we talked, but I don't think we put it out. 
but we were talking about how the uh, the reses were pushing it, and the government gave them a whole ton of money to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's happened here as well. I mean, they're, they're, they've been very well looked after in one sense. I mean, it's bloody atrocious what happened to them, and up until fairly recent times. But, um, you know, I mean, oh, yeah, I've got to share this with you. So this lady, her name is Cindy Roberts. That's her Western name. I can't really remember her Indigenous name. But anyway, I only heard her for the first time a few days ago, and she was the one that was sort of basically running this rally. But it really touched me because um, when I saw her talking on the video, um, she she said, she said, you know, all you white people, you don't have to feel guilty. You shouldn't be feeling guilty. It wasn't you, you know. And it was like, fuck. I didn't realise how powerful those words were because, I mean, I have most of my life just felt terrible for these people and wanted to, you know, this... I just wondered what this, you know, little white person could go and do to, to help. I mean, I actually did work as a graphic designer for the Jimmy Little Foundation for a while, and he was a very famous Indigenous person here. He was a musician. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was paid work or whatever have you. But, yeah, I've just always felt this affinity and, and, and guilt. So that was really that was really releasing and really powerful when she said that. Didn't realise how <laughs> how much it was until till she'd said it. But, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll look for this video. Just wanted- it's one of the many tools they use to control us is our ancestral guilt, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, just propaganda in general. It's just based mm-hmm. on the emotions. That, you know, the father of psychology was uh, Jung, and, of course, he's, was it Edward, Edward Bernays was his uh, nephew, and, of course, he's the father of propaganda. Uh, wrote that mm-hmm. book in 1924, I think it was, Propaganda. Um, and of course, now his nephew—I think it is nephew—was one of the CEO founding members of Netflix. So you know, propaganda tools all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I have a, a little thing that I got from uh, Ted Kaczynski yesterday. I shared it with uh, with AOC. Let me grab that uh, while everybody's doing stuff because I, I think you know he's like he's Ted. You know, he's like the wisest guy of all time, right? Um, but <laughs> this was in, uh, I mean, he was, he's amazing. Um, <laughs> I have a industrial, industrial society and its future. Uh, many leftists have an intense identification with the problems of groups that have an image of being weak women, defeated American Indians, repellent homosexuals, or otherwise inferior. The leftists themselves feel that these groups are inferior. They would never admit that to themselves, uh, that they have such feelings, but it is precisely because they do see these groups as inferior that they identify with their problems. We do not mean to suggest that women, Indians, etc., are inferior, but we're only making a point about leftist psychology. It's number 13. There's nothing more racist than saying you need an advantage. Right? Yep. Yeah. And, and this, that whole thing is, is, you know, you don't worry about your own problems. You worry about everybody else's and, and think that you're being some sort of champion and, uh, and utilize that in order to get your way. I mean, that's really what they do. They, they utilize championing other people's causes versus dealing with their, you know, their own issues, the things that actually affect them. Are they just so unaffected that they can't, uh, that, they have to champion other people's issues. Is that really how it is? 
I think it's like misdirected, like Messiah complex bullshit. You know, it's it it, it comes from a elitist point of view, most certainly, um, saying that yeah, again, oh, it's you... that self self appointed authority, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who put you there? <laughs> Didn't ask me. So... <clears throat> I wanted to say a quick shout out to Keel. He's in the the comments here. Hey, Keel. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say about that is, yes, it is beyond pejorative in um, the way that these people, these social justice warriors operate, right? So I saw a video of um, somebody, probably YouTube or something, but they were asking people on the streets in a black neighborhood. They're like, hey, uh, do you think it's okay to, to ask you to bring... Uh, your ID to something, <laughs> you know, like voting because minorities can't vote because an I, you know, because of the ID thing, like they're mm-hmm. too stupid to get a fucking ID. And they're asking these people on the street and they were like, no, it's literally like the DMV is right there. I'm perfectly capable of getting a driver's license or an ID card. It's, it's right there. No, I, I don't need help doing that. No, I don't have a problem. Um, providing an ID for things. So, so it's just so crazy and it's so insulting uh, to act that way. And yet it's so normal to hear these people like, oh, but the minorities, the minorities, the minorities, like, and nobody's like, this is so insulting. If you really cared, then you never would, you would never would act like they're too dumb to get a fucking ID. <clears throat> My question is how is affirmative action not a slap in the face to some of these people? Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. we didn't you didn't get into college because, you know, you, you earned it. You got in because, you know, of a technicality. It's like how is how is that supposed to make somebody feel good about themselves? I don't how is that not an insult? You know? You know it it's, makes no sense to me. <laughs> it's I still sympathize with Joe Rogan because I feel like I kind of relate in that I was slow to be red pilled. You know what I'm saying? Like reluctant to be red pilled. Like I remember having thoughts like this in high school, like on standardized, like on the SAT where it's like asking your ethnicity. And I'm like, what, what does that have to do with anything? It's a goddamn test. And I'm like, I I remember having an urge to check off native American. Right. Just cause like, well, if somebody under oath asks me, why'd you do that? Well, I was born here, you know, it's kind of as simple as that. James Corbett calls that salting your data. Yeah. A little, a little salt. What was that photo? Nice. I missed that. Shit. Salting uh, James Corbett. He calls it salting your data. It's like if you must give uh, personally identifying information, give them the wrong information. <laughs> mm, make, yeah, it, yeah. make them confused. Yeah. Don't like give a, them your real birthday. Give them, you know, uh, I don't know, Richard Nixon's birthday or something. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Or uncle Ted's <laughs> yeah, to yeah. answer, to answer Keel's uh, question. Yes. That was an uncle Ted quote. Um, you know, I'm tempted to play this final. I only have one more Joan Rivers clip and it's, it's the young Turks talking about Joan Rivers before she died. Actually, I'm not sure about that. Maybe not. Yeah, no. This was eight years ago. Um, Just a moment. There we go. 
Alex Jones was recently uh, commenting on something that Joan Rivers said about Michelle Obama. And of course, it was something that was a little controversial. I'll let you judge for yourself. Take a look at it. Do you think that the country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman well, we president? We already have it with Obama. So let's just calm down. Got it. You know Michelle is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We Fucking savage. Wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, my gosh. She says, we all know it. We all know it. Was she kidding? Was she no. kidding? Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Look at Michelle. I mean, Michael, or whatever you think it is. It, it's obvious. And there's so many pictures where there's something there. And I, I, it could be I have to say, I have, fully intact. I have seen... Though. And uh, I have seen my fair share of mannish looking women that were actually women. They were not men dressed up as women. So, I mean, honestly, this whole thing about her being trans, I don't, I'm going to have to need some pretty hard evidence in order to back that. And honestly, what difference does it make? It really the is. soft evidence you know, that's, is that's, enough. <laughs> oh, it's good comedy. It's, it's great comedy. I mean, yeah, it makes for great jokes and everything. But I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, I, I, somebody else had pointed this out too. They're like, "What difference does it make? It really, yeah, it yeah. really, it's well, just actually, it's just another thing to make fun of, you know." It, That's yeah, all I see. If you're coming from a, uh, from a like a spiritual sort of point of view, it does actually make quite a big difference. Um, but. But this, it's not any know different than the, it's not any different than the spiritual attacks that we're already seeing. You know, it's like they're 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 picking this one thing out and making a big huge deal. It's like if you're if you're gonna go that route with it, I mean, we should be making more of a, a big deal about the Clintons, you know, and what they're up to, you know. So it's yeah, it's it's the, there's the um, enchantress spirit behind it as well. So it's just another representation of of. Um, right dark spiritual forces i guess but i don't know yeah. if you've ever seen um michelle obama I, I kind of debunked that one myself because in the earlier part of the well i'm not saying i debunked it somebody sent me a photo in the early part of this so it would have been 2020 um now i mean i do graphic designer stuff so i know how to look the stuff in a photo um right. i i debunked that in about a matter of two three minutes like i did a bit of a search and it was like no 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 this is a combination of that and that you know like have a look so I kind of didn't buy it from that point, and I think she is a bit of a manny-looking woman personally. But let's talk about Jacinda Ardern. Have you seen what she packs? She's yep. she's got some stuff happening down there. Yeah, yep. you've seen I've, that I footage of her walking along that one the hallway. Well. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. The one that had me halfway convinced was the one you sent in the Telegram, Ando. I think it was you, or oh Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, um, it was somebody's wife. I'm trying to remember whose wife. Not oh, George Soros. Uh, no, 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 no. It's Henry Kissinger's wife. Henry who Kissinger's looks, wife. Looks spot on like Roger Waters. Somebody said that in the comments, and it was it's it's perfect, really. But yeah. no, this is common. This is normal elite behavior. Um, I mean, you know, uh, Bush Jr. was constantly getting visits from a guy named Jeff Gannon slash Jeff Guckert, who was also probably his connection to outside things uh and you know we we know about big michael and you know th this is like the the elites do this stuff this is what they do this is normal behavior for them well you know like like Joan Rivers said 
I was just going to say maybe laughter is the, is still the best medicine, right? True or untrue. We'll never know for sure, but like, let's laugh about it. It's a joke. It's, and if Joan Rivers was in fact kidding and not telling some kind of secret Hollywood thing, um, it, it's pretty good timing. I'll give her that. But it's yeah. not a joke, Mike. It's not <laughs> a joke. I mean, that's what gets me about it is like, I mean, y'all spend some time uh, on that channel and uh, on a uh, bit shoot where the guy goes through everyone and it is nuts. And I mean, you know, actual nuts between their legs. But yeah, <laughs> God. the, uh, so th there's a, the, like these things called, uh, castrati's and the church used to do it. They would, they would, uh, snip a boy before his vocal cords got deep. Mm -hmm. And this is, I mean, all these pop stars, it is crazy. This, this is like a real thing and we're seeing it play out to its fruition and now we're seeing you know people talking about operating on children you got a point i just wanted to make um while well, we sort of had a little bit of a bush mention in there um is it george bush senior barbara bush uh, yeah senior senior liked random men bush only liked jeff Gucker Gannon. so was it barbara bush was married to senior though wasn't she Yes, yes, and and Barbara Bush does have the appearance for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, there's also that, a lot. She, she, I just sent you a photo in the general of Discord, Ando. Um, so yeah, she's very much looks like the daughter of Alistair Crowley. <laughs> you check out the image. You mean son, right? But <laughs> oh yeah, well you know whatever. You know, I, I I'm, I'm descended from. I'm inclined to say that um, small furry creature. We should we should probably wrap this topic up because I know that there were a couple other topics people wanted to hit. Um, so I do want to play just the reaction of the young young Turks because it's so typical. Um, and then we can kind of segue to some other stuff. I know we've been going for a while. You know, as the forum is as it goes, you know, it's kind of, sometimes we do two hours, sometimes we go longer, but people are more than free to come and go as they must. So don't feel obligated to like stick it out if you're busy or whatnot. But uh, I think this is worth seeing. And it's just funny that it's like this uh, intersection of, of young Turks, Alex Jones and Joan Rivers eight years ago, you know, which feels like a lifetime ago, but this is all still very relevant, I believe. And I just want to hear Joan deliver her, her line again, because it's so rich. Uh, here we go. The country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman well, we president. We have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. Got it. You know Michelle is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. It's okay. <laughs> she said it funny. She said it funny. Did, you know, it's funny. The first time I saw it, I didn't think it was funny. But like the way we just edited there, we just we cut off the 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 end at the beginning. Oh. And like it's much better. Like yeah. she, it's actually pretty fun. We all know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's crazy Aunt Joan. She right. can say whatever she wants. She's a comedian. Yes. Well, like, I wish she would take off that comedian mask oh, and let man. us know. <laughs> all right. So so Joan Rivers does that. It, it was obviously meant to be a joke, right? And I, I could understand why some people would still be offended by it, but still, I think as long as it's a joke and as long as you are a comedian, which is what she does for a living, yes. 
move on with your life. Well, Alex Jones took it seriously. And uh, here's what he had to say on his own show about Michelle Obama. The question is, who is Michelle Obama? Is she really a woman? Is she a man? Every time I look at Michelle or Michael Obama, uh, the first lady or the first tranny, every time I look at them, something doesn't look right. She doesn't look like any black woman or any woman I've ever known. She's got shoulders that are wider than a man's, which physiologically doesn't happen. Again, you can put three heads on a man's shoulders and only two heads on a woman's shoulders. That's a known anatomy. And then women generally have wider hips than, than men do. And you look at her arms and the rest of it, when she's standing straight on, she looks like no woman I have ever seen. He nailed it. Wow. He nailed it. May yeah. I make a suggestion before we start? Yeah. How many heads can you put in his stomach? <laughs> Morning radio, syndicated across the country, waking up with Ablo and Jones. Ah. Wouldn't you love to see them together? Totally. It'd be great. Well, if Joan Rivers insane. married him, she'd be Joan Rivers Jones, which would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah, also we'll amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Or uh, Alex Jones could be Alex Jones Rivers. I don't know if that's funny. You were saying, Anna? Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to throw it out there to you guys. What do you guys think? What are your thoughts? I mean, there are people out there who think this guy is legitimate, right? He'll, yeah. He's a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. That's what he's known for. He's one of those people who will get a few conspiracy theories right. And so people think that he's credible, right? He's a got, legitimate I, I person to get news from. Right, ever. Yeah. He's, and He's like the National Enquirer. Man, he did some good work on the OJ thing. Right. I'll tell that's you right. that. That's right. You get the National Enquirer got some stuff right on OJ. No, like, that's like, so then now it's, somehow it's okay. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, Edwards, right? Yeah. And John Edwards. And John yeah, Edwards. Yeah, yeah, sure. They pay for stories, and sometimes the, they pay people who know they, the story. That, yeah. that happens. Um, but he's a nut job. He's a dangerous guy, and it's a shame that, that, that some people who you'd think might be reasonable listen to him and sort of buy this nonsense. No physiology. No physiology. It's a shame he's allowed to speak, in other words. You know, that's the subtext. This is the pre, um, not necessarily pre uh, pre cancellation, but like pre literal censorship, or at least this is damage control. Right. I mean, that's it's mm. obvious. And you know, Mr. Mankey Wicks over here, uh, yeah. <laughs> talking trash on Alex Jones. Uh, you know, like, I, I don't think Alex gets it right 100% of the time, but I, I, I don't think that he's, you know, uh, a kook he might be controlled i think he's controlled but he's you know he does a lot of a lot of good probably just like joe rogan he does more good than bad just like tucker carlson etc but yeah and russell brand yeah West. yeah yep mm -hmm. uh the whole gang of them uh yeah uh the other one that uh uh out of all these controlled opposition people uh andrew tate um everybody went crazy over him at once and it it follows kind of what monica always says about people that blow up really quickly um but yeah the, and obviously you know he's like he's still getting the respect that i don't think he deserves but whatever you know um yeah this is damage control and uh and they even played into it a little bit you know uh and that's all you're gonna get from them though I have a little bit of a theory, which I'll bravely put out there, okay? I mean, it's probably old news, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't heard it. Anyway, so we've got the elites, right? The predator class. Um, and, of course, they have a generation or two under them, don't they? So, um, like 
well, I'm just going to say like normal people, but whatever they are, there's going to be variations of skills, isn't there? Like natural skills. So there's going to be some that are going to go straight into their business corporation-y type things. And then there's going to be a bunch of their generation. Uh, by the way, they're all living underground. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in. But um, so there's going to be a bunch of them that are creatives, um, you know, musicians types, um, reporter types. So are we, <laughs> are we currently in an ocean, a sea of younger generational elites who their job is to be alternate media and to be our friends and mislead us? I just it's just a theory that I have wondered, you know, what is happened? Where where are the generations below them? What are they up to at the moment? They're not surely they're not all in business, are they? Because I know artistic people aren't really that good at business. I know that for a fact. <laughs> Unless they have advice. Um a few exceptions of course. But um it, yeah, it's just a theory like where, what are they doing those people? Is that what we're looking at? Is that who the, who we're listening to right now? Right. I think there's something to be said for Not right now. Like, <laughs> We should be skeptical of those who say just enough of what we want to hear to get our attention. Um, most certainly, like I can just tell, even though I've never met. Uh, well, I guess I've I've met Ando in person. The rest of you, I have yet to. But um, I trust I y'all Lido. more in person. I mean, like yeah, yeah, in person. So we're yeah. oh, you've like, met Fido. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Like, I've I met you, you, and and I've yeah. met Fido. Yeah. So we're we know but each other. <laughs> the, my point is I trust all y'all more than anybody that's getting, you know, YouTube dollars or CNN dollars or whatever kind of dollars. Cause we're all, <laughs> I hate to say it, but we're kind of at the, at, well, you know, I could say the bottom, but it's, it's the grassroots and that's worthwhile. Now, obviously we got to be a little skeptical, uh, you know, cause you never know. There might be, there might be a fed. And, uh, if I was going to put money on it, I'd point at the guy with the mustache <laughs> <laughs> He's gathering we probably all, the data all know right one now. fed. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, if, has if, a mustache too. Well, if my FBI agent is listening, his mom is a hoe, so yeah. you know, there's that. What do you say, Walt? Can we trust you? You oh, better come know. to Childerberg. Come, come to Childerberg. Yeah. Find out. That's right. That's right. Yeah, buddy. But anyways, um I figure that's yeah, we He has a serial come... number on his shirt. Should we trust him? <laughs> yeah and a mustache two four six oh one do the profile for us now please <laughs> what is that your zip code no it's uh from lame is oh wow Les we got Rob. a man of culture here look at that no no, no not at all <laughs> i'm a poser the odd guy out <laughs> i'm your yeah, poser right. well i i want to open the floor up you know like we've covered joan rivers you know if there's any like pressing final thoughts I, like I said, I just like to cover, like, I think even though I, I'm not a trying to be like a celebrity worshiper here, I'm trying to understand that these people are human. Some of them are authentic. Some of them are part of, you know, like, like Stella, I think said uh, the predator class, or I think there's actually a distinction to be made. There's both the predator class and the parasite class. Okay. I hit this on the last episode, so I'll be brief, but in ecology, there's only three kinds of relationships, predation, parasitism, or mutualism. Those are the only three observed in the natural world. And what we're dealing with at, at the top are parasites and predators. 
you know. I was going to say, I can't see the difference, really. I think they encompass the whole shebang. It's a fine line. A predator kills. It's not so fine, after all. A predator kills and consumes. A parasite leeches. It doesn't want to kill the host. It wants to use the host. So um, there is a, there's a difference there. I, I look at it as actually a, like a Venn diagram, right? So I do believe that the predator class are also the parasitic class in a way. And the reason for that is because they have, they have stolen all of the wealth. They have stolen everything over how many hundreds of years. You know, they have unimaginable wealth but that they got off of our back. So that is predatory. That is leeching until they are able, you know, in a position where they feel like they no longer need the host, but they have profited and lived lives of be like extreme luxury and wealth and privilege because of us, you know? So I yep. do think that We've there's an overlap in that way. And then if we were to consider the influencers, like this, so, so I, I view celebrities and influencers differently, but this celebrity class, if we view them as parasitic, fair, but they are also being controlled by the predator class, you know? So there is, even if they're not necessarily aware of it. So I think that there's a lot of overlap and a lot of back and forth. And there's these middle managers, for example, I don't see Bill Gates as being at the top of that pyramid. However, I think that he's still a predator and he's still a parasite. So I think there's a little, you know, this moving between for some people. Certainly. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, people can occupy any one of the niches, right? Like, you know, in 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 the woods, like you generally are one thing or the other, but people and our personalities and our willingness to hurt or manipulate or steal, like that's what we're contending with here. So, yeah, I agree. It's not a firm, well, you know. So-and-so is a predator. No, they're a parasite. They could be both in different ways. Yeah, totally. It's not much division in my mind, really. They're all using and abusing. <laughs> you know, I'm with you, Think Change Repeat. What do you mean by dog whistling, Ando? What, are, we, are we just... Oh, funny mustache man called a certain group of people parasites. Mm. Yeah. Who's that? Oh my God! <laughs> Funny mustache man. I I don't know what you're talking. Yeah, we about. had a Charlie Chaplin. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, who's got a topic for us? I know we had a few things in the Telegram. Um, the floor is open. It only took two hours. <laughs> <laughs> who's up? You got something there, Ashley? Or photo? Um. I, I do, and uh, I definitely would be very interested. Well, I want everyone's perspective, but uh, Fido especially being that you're in Texas. Um, but I wanted to talk about the the mass shooting that just happened in Texas on Saturday. So as just a brief overview, in Allen, Texas, which is about 30 miles north of Dallas, a gunman by the name of Mauricio Garcia, who is 33 years old, by the way, 
ended up killing eight people and others were injured in a shooting rampage. So there's a couple of weird things that I wanted to point out here. Um, first of all, the mass shootings have been nonstop since it's like we have the rotating microscope of, or the rotating spotlight of the issues that they want people to be distracted with right now, that spotlight is on guns, right? So it's just nonstop shooting after shooting, after shooting, after shooting. And I know that probably most people don't in the general population do not feel like these are operations, but I'm telling you, I believe of, hundred percent that these are operations. So, um, that's the one thing that I want to say. The other thing, the 33 years old, the man's name is Mauricio Garcia. He is already being associated with having quote, neo-Nazi beliefs. Um, and people are probably going to buy this. So that was the main thing that I wanted to say. One last thing that so was very a, weird. He's a Hispanic neo-Nazi. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I haven't heard of many of them. Yeah, neither have I um, before this. So that is uh, disturbing. The other thing is some people were saying that he had a tattoo on his hand that could potentially have some gang affiliation. Um, the other point that I wanted to make, this may be nothing, but I will say with the Nashville shooting of an Audrey Hale, there was an issue that people pointed out that she went in with one pair of shoes or was photographed in one pair of shoes. Then she was photographed in another pair of shoes. Now, could that simply be distraction chatter? Possibly. But that's interesting because there was also in the Uvalde shooting, there was something about one of the victims was wearing green Converse tennis shoes. And then when I was listening to an interview of somebody who was at the mall, when the shooting happened, they said that Mauricio was dressed up basically to look like a police officer or a military officer, except for he was wearing Converse tennis shoes. So um, I just thought that was all very strange. It's it's a, it's a frustrating uh, thing to see him being called a neo-Nazi also, um, because they're so desperate to to paint white people that support the Second Amendment as bad. So that's it. I wear green Chuck Taylors. Should I be worried? Am I am I gonna be like uh, activated? Has my brainwashing not been not been effective yet? But they're just gonna signal me somehow. I don't know about that, but I did think it was weird. And the other thing was um, after Uvalde, Matt McConaughey got involved. As you know, he's trying to kind of go mm -hmm. political and that kind of thing. And his wife was actually spotting wearing green Converse. Um, as well and it of course it may be nothing but it's just i just bought all it these things have something weird about them every single one of them i just Agreed. i just bought the i bought the chucks because they matched the bill of my hat you know i'm like i wear yeah, the same I mean, hat and the same shoes all the time so they might as well match yeah, I, have a well, pair, I, I have a pair of converse it's not that but it's just yeah 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 well i think that as far as you know, because, you know, there for a while it was Tennessee. Tennessee was in the news. There was something always going on in Tennessee. And now it's uh, it's Texas. It seems like everything's going on in Texas right now. Because um, we actually here where I live, and I, I don't want to put it out there, but I, I guess I might as well. Uh, there was a shooting here that made national news, the, the after prom shooting. 
and um, it was uh, four black guys uh, ran up on a uh, prom after prom party and shot up the prom party. And apparently it was based off a dispute between one of the attendees at the party and, and these guys. And uh, hang on just a second. I'm sorry. She's saying, so, turn down the damn TV. <laughs> and so, he's, he's really... It wasn't as polite in my He's head. enjoying Elden Ring. Sorry about that. Um, so, um, but no, the the shooting happened. They involved innocent people in their dispute and just shot up this party and a bunch of teenagers got shot. And, you know, it's... I've been trying to think why they've been ramping it up because, you know, it seems to be like every time this time of year... Every time this time of year rolls around, there's always shootings, and it just seems to be more and more and more. And it's like they're really trying to push um, push something on us. And, you know, with COVID gone, they don't have anything to attract our attention anymore. So now they're grasping at straws and like, oh, well, shooters always work. So let's, you know, amp up the coverage of shooters. And that usually, you know, gets people riled up pretty good. And so... I don't think that we're necessarily seeing more shootings. I think we're seeing more coverage of shootings and they're just really ramming it home. And they're, they've already, I saw an article where they talked about the after prom shooting and they're already using it as an excuse to say, well, Oh, well, you know, we need to, we need more gun control. It's like, no, we don't need more gun control. We've got plenty of gun control. Criminals don't care about gun control. They don't care about laws saying that you can't have a gun unless you do this, this, and this. They don't care that I mean that's why they're criminals, you know. And so, I I really think it's just part of they're just ramping up the coverage of shootings to push that anti-gun hysteria. And I really think that's what the majority of all of this is about because they don't have COVID anymore to keep it, everybody's attention focused on one thing. So now they're they're grasping at everything and shooting shooting season is one of them. So I think that's has a lot to do with it. I have to agree there. Um, coming from a country that's been, I would, everyone thinks we're completely disarmed. We're not. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, I mean, a lot of people handed guns in, but as Fito was just saying, the criminals never hand the guns in. It's just the law-abiding citizens. Um, so even that term, law-abiding citizens, is disgusting. But anyway, um, yeah, that really worked. And, again, that was, um, I was living in Tasmania at the time of Port Arthur, um, 1996, and um, it was extremely unnerving. Um, again, they played on everyone's emotions. Uh, <laughs> I've heard uh, some very detailed reports about that, and, and you've actually got to be extremely careful talking about this. But, um, yeah, definitely not a natural event. Anyway, um, so, yes, a lot of the guns were... I did notice in that article, um, Ashley, that they were, yeah, they were pushing the AR-15 angle a lot. The assault rifle, you know, blah, 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 spotlight. Uh, I didn't catch the 33, but yeah, good one, naturally. And I also, I was reading a, um, an article about this, and I, there was just this little, little paragraph that says, um, talking about one of the witnesses, Sherry Tut was shopping at Victoria's Secret on Saturday when she heard booming sounds. And I just thought, why did they have to throw in Victoria's Secret? Why did, why did they say that? Like, we, don't, we know that Victoria's Secret, you know, all the connections with nefarious, nasty happenings, and what's that guy, Wes, that really rich guy? Oh, I can't remember his name. Les Wexner. 
Yeah, that's the guy. That's it. He owns he owns Victoria's Secret, I believe. Is that correct? He did. He doesn't own it anymore, but he was um, during the like the Epstein stuff. He was the owner or one of the owners or or whatever. Yeah, so I just I just felt it was a bit like like a I native ad. A... Have you ever heard that term, native ad? Like they're just putting Victoria's Secret in your brain so that like you might go yeah, shop right. with Victoria's Secret. <sighs> You think that's sort of just more of a business economy thing? I, I just wonder about the. Um, I mean, it could I, be <laughs> it could it could be a cult as well, a cult as well. Like, yeah. uh, I, like I tend to think that some of these things know. are signals because look, it's been said many times by the people that are in the the dark, I suppose, the shadows, that if we can figure out symbology, we will un have a greater understanding of basically the universe. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Ollie Demigard. Um, he talks about um, all the symbols and things that are often in um, reports, you know, like articles or news reports, etc. Just certain things that seem to stand out, like um, when Ukraine was happening, a lot of it was uh, things like um, shoes, shoes in the picture, uh, baby pram, strollers and things like that. Um, purple, you know, it was it was interesting to look back over some of the reports after he pointed those things out and just go, wow, there's that and there's that, there's that. So it's like they're kind of signalling to each other. Now, I'm not saying that this is the case here. I'm just saying that it it appears like that that is happening and maybe it's a way of signalling to each other. It's like, yep, that was us um, to each other, you know, so that there's nothing, nothing in, you know, there's no emails, there's no text, nothing, but they can still read it. That's just my theory. <laughs> pretty black gold so, I, mean, you know, I think, I think it's, it's worth i was just gonna say i think it's worth considering that right like if and the the issue that i have if people are like oh we're you're too suspicious you're too this you're too that or whatever it's like well what the fuck else am i supposed to be I, I never get the truth anywhere so i have to just try to use my discernment and i do that by asking questions about details like that you know so i think it's valid to at yeah. least um you know, consider that, that that's a possibility here. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't look at things very deeply. They just look at the shallow and what have you, and that's what these agendarists count on. You know, I think the question that was posed earlier about, um, let's say, coverage versus frequency, I think it's both, right? I think it's certainly a trend that has picked up, you know, like Columbine, kind of was the early tremor of this current like earthquake right and it's a mental health issue obviously anybody that says it's not is just fucked like these people are sick and they're easily potentially manipulated into doing horrendous things and the it's interesting to pay very close attention to which <laughs> you can probably hear the motorcycle going by Anyways, uh, to pay attention to which ones get coverage versus don't. And the shooting that happened in Greenwood, Indiana, uh, Elijah Dickin, you might remember that name. He, he was a 21-year-old kid uh, who put down the shooter quickly and effectively from quite a distance. That was in a shopping mall, right? In the Greenwood Park shopping mall, yes. Yeah. So these malls are becoming more and more it's almost like it was only schools for a while now it's malls and schools right anywhere where people congregate right 
and uh, and a gun free zone typically and, and a gun free zone exactly and you know i saw this meme and it said you know it had a picture of the you know no gun zone and whatever and it said like eli dickin walking past saying fuck that you know or whatever and saving countless lives right something to that effect and uh they that was on local news obviously and there was very very little if any like public news coverage the only reason that people in our community know about it is because of meme culture and grassroots communication you know they didn't want us to hear about Eli Dickin you know they wanted you to hear about every other one you know it's okay if a cop puts the guy down but if a citizen does we're not going to cover it they didn't want you to know about Johnny Hurley in in Arvada Colorado either when he saved a bunch of cops that guy specifically was targeting cops and they didn't want to cover that neither that that story would be dead if it wasn't for folks like us oh that's the one that the cops actually killed him though right yes yeah then there was another uh defensive uh use in a texas church uh too where i don't know if he was able to actually shoot people but then he was lit up there but that that was not like several people pulled at that time they were ready to take him down which is the answer to that you know if you were if we were all surrounded by people like that that are ready to defend at any time then that would nip that in the bud really really quick i went um, i went to my sister's church for christmas and i'd never seen this before at a church but i saw like a team of guys, you know, two or three at each entrance. And I could tell immediately they were all ex-military and they all had earpieces. And it made me feel good that that's the church. My sister takes my niece and nephew to. I knew it immediately. Yeah. yeah, You're a sitting duck there otherwise, you know? So I appreciate that these people are like, not on our watch. This is not happening here. Um, you know, but as far as the frequency of the shootings, my I have a little theory on what is going on here. So for a very long time, and I even talked about this on Not Your Mama's News, there was the meme, uh, back to meme culture. But after a shooting happened, it would say Betty White because he was a white guy, right? Now, almost every single shooting post-COVID, something has been different about them. Like Uvalde, non-binary. Um, I don't think that kid was just a straight up white kid. Then there was Audrey Hale in um, Nashville that was, you know, a, a trans person. And then there's this guy that is a white supremacist, even though he obviously has Hispanic heritage. So I think that what is happening is that they are especially working in the conservative states is because they want conservatives to support gun control, whether that means that. So it's like you have this um, the paradigm because then you'll say, oh, Greg Abbott needs to do more. These conservatives down in Texas. OK, well, Greg Abbott is beholden to the World Economic Forum and Greg Abbott is not on your side. So and Greg Israel. 
Exactly. Yes. Zionist too. And then, uh, so what he's doing is like, well, this is a mental health issue. And, and, you know, so they, they are having the Republicans push gun control from a red flag perspective. And I think that they, that these were also trial balloons. They wanted to see what the conservative reaction will be. So if you just out and out say we're disarming people, then that's not going to fly. However, if you do it under the guise of red flag laws, well, you don't want that fucking tranny down the street to have a gun to you. They're mentally ill. And they're like, oh, absolutely not. So there you go. You just got conservatives to turn on something they allegedly care about, which is the Second Amendment, which is shall not be infringed upon. So I think that that is part of the angle um, here is to, to get conservatives to be pro gun control. And that is why you are seeing all of these shooters recently not fill the traditional role of a mass shooter of the narrative that they were trying to push previously. Um, and the other thought that I wanted to get out there before I, I stop blabbing on this stuff is that there is also weird connections about Columbine. So apparently these kids were arrested and there's a, an account out on Twitter at not Tim Tuttle. So these people have been doing really great job of covering uh, a lot of the, the nuance and minutia for the OKC and all the weird stuff that happened with that. And then of course there's government connections and obviously James Corbett, Fido, you know, has done a lot of good work. I know Stella has watched that too. Um, covering this. So anyway, these kids apparently were arrested for something. I don't even know what it was, but they, there's appears to be evidence that they were actually raped by cops. And then there's also in Littleton, Colorado, there's like the military uh, connection. So, and I think one of the kids' dads, at least one of them was involved in either the military base or CIA or something like that. So it's like, even as far back as we go and we would think that perhaps that was one example of an organic school shooting I don't believe that it was. Well, and, and I hadn't, so your point about the gun control stories being in the media to attempt to manipulate conservatives, I hadn't considered it from that viewpoint, but a, a con, uh, not a contrary, an alternate possibility is, or, or uh, um, pos also possibility, whatever the word is, um, is that we saw through the pandemic, and the riots, a lot of uh, Democrats and liberals were buying guns. So traditionally, um, in the news media, it was always conservatives have guns and they kill people to try to divide. But now that liberals have guns, they have the opportunity to present these other shooting stories, whether uh, manufactured or the spotlight being put on them, however it happens. Now they're putting uh, non-white conservatives in the news as scary people with guns to uh, encourage people to get rid of their guns, I would say, but that I had not thought of it from the viewpoint of, um, well, I mean, I had, but, um, getting Republicans to get excited about banning guns, which, which is exact. If all, if I may say is exactly what happened when, um, there were multiple demonstrations and rallies about, we don't need the police. When the, when the lockdowns first started happening and people were like, Oh no, we don't need the police. This is America. We're free. And then what happens is a couple of black people start throwing rocks and starting buildings on fire. And they're like, oh, no, police, please come save us. We love the police. We want to lick the boot. Right. So the same process. Sorry. <clears throat> Anyways, that's my rant. 
Dude, I think it's a good rant. Um, it makes me think, you know, it was mentioned already, but OKC, you know, um, so like this big push for a, a domestic war on terrorism, right? How many domestic terror plots have ever happened, right? You could make a list of the alleged or the, you know, so-called successful terror actions on U.S. soil by Americans, right? There was OKC, there was the Boston Marathon. You could you could figure out a you know handful to list off, but there really haven't been many. Okay, if just objectively speaking, there have not been a lot. There's not been a lot of terrorism committed by Americans, unless you consider these you know school shootings, right? And it just makes me think that in general, people don't do this shit like unprovoked. It doesn't yeah, seem natural. I had that same thought. There's natural thought a little while ago. There's it natural like crime and natural like killing as far as like crimes of passion, crimes of self-interest. But these random acts of violence are, are you know, pretty rare, if, if even at all. Yeah, what's the population of America? Three hundred and sixty million or so, I think. Yeah, like you think about that. That's a lot of people all living together, pretty much harmoniously, sort of ish. You know, I mean, Fito and Walt both raised the whole thing about put whatever the spotlight is on is what we're going to think is going on. Obviously, um, like, you know, mum mum will come to me in the morning and she'll say, "Oh, there's all these volcanoes going off," and I'll just say. But there's always volcanoes going off. It's just that they happen to be pointing out that there's, because there's, you know, probably some agenda, the climate change or whatever it may be. So, again, it's just whatever we hear about is what they want us to hear about and to put the spotlight on. So, yeah, uh, I can't remember where I was going with that. But that was the point. Well, I feel like unless anybody has any thoughts, maybe we move to another one. Ando, did you have something to say there? Oh, uh, uh Stella and Ashley, uh, their their show Union of the Unknowns, just did an episode on OKC. So um, I'll check that out. Yeah, tell them how to find it. So uh, we are on Spotify, and we have a um, our webpage Unity of the Unknowns dot com, and you can go there and check out our different platforms because we're on like Amazon or, or Prime. Uh, podcasts and Anchor, Spotify, Rumble. So it's it's out there. Apple. But if anybody has, yeah, Apple. So if anybody has any questions, you can reach out to our Twitter account, which is at Union Unknowns. Um, but actually, on our show, we at our we did the OKC episode because we were going to have Jose from Tower Gang podcast on, and something came up, so we rescheduled with him. And but we decided to go ahead and and talk about some of that stuff. And he has brought a lot of refreshed attention to that these days. And um, once again, with so many of these things, it leads straight back to if not out and out government pulling it off, then maybe infiltrating and uh, co-opting it like they were trying to do with the, the Whitmer kidnapping and, you know, stuff like that. They have only so many tricks they're not original and they use the same ones over and over again that's that's how you know that they're demonic 
because they they use the same trick over and over again and uh and yeah that's 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 how we know also that we're not just in a physical battle this is this is spiritual this is beyond and so 100%. take note of that y'all yeah um, and and yep. that brings me to AI because uh, I was just listening to y'all's episode on the AI thing a few weeks ago, and uh, and how Cyprian was saying that it's demonic, and I, I fully believe that as well. And um, and yeah, the uh, the writers guilds of uh, Los Angeles are all worried about their jobs now. Uh, Owen Benjamin makes the point that they haven't replaced one trucker yet, but I was just watching uh, a company video and they're 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 partaking in a uh, pilot program so that's you know uh, no one really has job security right now with these these ai things running around um and i don't know uh i don't i don't care about tv writers uh you know oh no colbert has to come up with his own jokes now i mean right let's let's cry about (laughs) can he get any worse yeah uh, one of the best things to ever happen out of one of the old strikes was uh, uh, Joss Whedon, who has now been canceled, but he did a uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, which was all mm. internet-based, and it was all the actors that he usually associates with, and it was really fun, really amazing, and really creative. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, I don't know. these. I, I'm not necessarily worried about these soulless writers. They can, you know, they can deal with losing a paycheck for a few months and Hollywood can take the big hit of not putting anything out. They were only just remaking everything anyway. It's, it's the same story as it was in 2007. You know, all the movies that came out then were remakes, all the movies that stuff from 2008 (laughs) is being remade now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're making, they're making remakes to the remakes. Exactly. (laughs) Bring back Firefly, one of the most original TV shows to ever hit cable television, and it got canceled after one fucking season. Speaking of Joss Whedon, my dude. Dude, that show, that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Of course, as it it ought to be. (laughs) Um, So Fido sent something in here uh, that just... Again, you know, we're, we're hammering home the same kind of points, but don't trust these fuckers, man. Do not trust these fuckers. More states nix non-consensual pelvic exams by med students. So am I reading this correctly that they have banned what was previously common practice in these six states in terms of non-consensual pelvic Yes. Um, so what apparently was happening was um, the the patients were being treated in what are called teaching hospitals. And teaching hospitals are when you have uh, medical students, uh, nursing students that are taking classes for their respective um, field. And they they need, they use the hospital patients to practice on, basically. And this is all pretty standard. Most hospitals have, um, of all that paperwork that you sign when you go into the hospital, one of, if you're at a teaching hospital, one of the uh, documents that they have you sign is um, a consent form to be evaluated and treated by students or 
have students involved in your care, uh, medical students, nursing students involved in your care. And um, hey, uh, so the um, what was happening here was these patients were being put under anesthesia for surgical procedures. And while they were under anesthesia, they would have um, a medical student come in and do a pelvic exam as a means of practice so they could figure out how to do pelvic exams. And they're saying they're non-consensual because these patients went under anesthesia for a surgical procedure of a specific type. And pelvic exam was not necessarily part of that procedure. So this was not something they knew that was going to happen. It was just something that the doctors did because the patient was under anyway. So, you know, patients unconscious, they're never going to know the difference, right? I mean, that's akin to uh, medical rape, basically. And so I was just going to ask for clarity. I mean, it's yeah. fairly self-explanatory, but this pelvic exam does, in fact, involve penetration. Correct. Well, it goes in and, you know, you're examining the the uh the structures that are inside the body um and it's it's normal for students to practice this type of procedure but usually the patient has to is aware that this is a student performing this exam that they're and, and they're aware of what's actually happening well in these cases it's it the, the, it was being done while the patient was uh unconscious under anesthesia and they they were never given the option to opt in or opt out but again it was one of those forms there's one of those forms where it says that you know if it's a teaching hospital you're giving that consent away but the patient wasn't making that mental connection and there's a difference you know it's it's one thing to have them sign a paper at the beginning of their medical care while they get into the hospital but then it's something completely different to just spring it on them you know and this it really goes to the heart of what we were seeing with covid in that you had all these doctors that were like, oh, well, you have to get the COVID shot. You have to get the COVID shot. And the patients were saying, well, I don't want to get the COVID shot. And then the doctors were questioning. I saw many articles on Medscape where the doctors were questioning whether or not they should keep the patient in their practice or dismiss them from their practice because they didn't get the COVID shot. They didn't follow their um their medical recommend their professional medical recommendation, which is a little odd because you have patients do that all the time. Patients all there's it's common for patients to not follow their doctor's orders, which is why you have patients who are, you know, getting going and getting amputations because they're non-compliant diabetic and their blood sugar's out of control, their kidneys are failing. They have a wound on their foot. They got to get their foot taken off because it's rotting, basically. And they didn't do anything that the doctor told them to do. And it didn't it didn't apply then. But for some reason, it applied during the, the COVID pandemic with the COVID shots. So you know, it's it's really frustrating when you see that there it's actually OK and normal for a medical student to give a pelvic exam for the purposes of learning eight, on a patient who has no idea what's happening. Eight, that is, that goes against everything that I was taught going through nursing yep. school. It was, I was beaten over the head with it. You do not touch a patient unless you have their consent. You do not touch them because if you touch them without their consent, that is the legal definition of assault and battery. And you can go to jail for that. And it doesn't matter yep. if you hurt them. 
that's not even the point. It's harm has nothing to do with it. It's whether they consented to it or not. And the patient has to understand what that means. You know, I, I, and I, I've been a huge proponent of ethics in that manner that you don't touch a patient unless they know what they're, what's going to happen. I always tell them and you know, again, okay, nursing homes, you have patients that um, that act out and are really aggressive with the staff, but a lot of times they don't understand what's happening. And that's why they act out. I mean, just think about it. If you were sitting there and you had no idea where you were and somebody just walks in the room and starts picking you up or starts undressing you to change your clothes or whatever, how, how pissed would you be? You know, they didn't say anything to you. They didn't tell you what they were doing. I would be mad too. I'd be throwing punches too, you know? So it's... It's it's really frustrating that this was even considered normal by um, by these well, teaching hospitals and these uh, medical schools and 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 medical uh, schools in general. But you would think you would think they even the students would be smart enough to realize the inherent. Well, and that is something that they do actually address. They do address that in the article. And there, you know, a lot of the students, and even when I was in nursing school, I did not feel qualified. I did not feel uh, like I had the authority to say, this is wrong. This is not ethical. We can't do this. And a lot of the students just go along with it because their teachers are supposed to be the ones that have the moral uh, compass and the moral fortitude to teach these students what is ethically correct. And the they're like, oh, it's just, it's part of the, it's just part of practice. No, it's not part of practice. You can, you can involve your patient in their care and say, hey, we're gonna do this. And if they say no, that's it. There's no, there's no debating that. I mean, you can tell them, hey, well, this is, and explain, this is why we're doing this. This is for your good. This is all the benefits that are gonna happen. These are the risks involved. And if the patient says, no, I don't wanna do it, you have to respect that and but they have to be given that option you know to say yes or no and yeah um it's almost like they're normalizing rape (laughs) they're normalizing invasive procedures just like another facet facet of society at the moment where nasty things are being normalized right and and not only that but they're 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 trying to norm they're trying to get people used to a medical professional or a figure of authority saying, this is what's best for you. And this is what we're going to do regardless of what you say. And yeah, you and have it very no much, say. it very much strips away the individuality, which is exactly what they are trying that's to what, do. It, it is, you know, yep. it's, it's and what can, it boils down to. Yeah. And I they do it with the medical question. students too. Go ahead. Sorry, Fido. No, um, I wanted to Go ask ahead. a question about the, the consent form. Um, so if they're coming into hospital, they're given all these forms. Yeah. I remember that. You generally don't read them. It's just like, yep, no, I need to be Mm -hmm. here right now. Um, But I was just going to ask, so I guess all this is all in one form, like, you you know, you consent to this, this, this and this. Is there some way you can say, well, I'll consent to that and that, but I'm not consenting to paragraph B, section 3? Is there, like, if you don't do that, does that mean they go, well, sorry, you can't come in, we're not treating you? Well, there's not a catch-all in uh, in a consent form. There's um, there's several different ones. There's like maybe five or six different ones, and they each have sections where you can initial and, and date, or you can sign and and you can sign at the bottom. So they do actually have sections that you can agree to and sections that you can disagree to. Oh, okay, um, all right. And so, uh, but, is there much of a uh, 
at least here much, in the United the States. Outcomes? Yeah. Um, well, you know, if you if you voice your 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 concerns, your wants, your wishes, um, they actually they have to respect it. Um, and that's also why is absolutely important. And I had a conversation with Ando about this not too long ago. It is absolutely imperative that you have somebody with you at the hospital to speak on your behalf. And mm. you'd be surprised at how many people don't have that just God because they don't have a family member or they don't have a friend that they trust enough to be there with them to, to, to be their advocate. Because if you don't have an advocate, they could basically do whatever they want um, yeah. yep. or they can they can get away with a lot right. of things you that they wouldn't running, normally get away running. with if um if, if you did if you did have um yeah just so. want to um shout out to uh brad binkley he's um he went we were talking about this from the propaganda report podcast our god our podfather <laughs> he um he went through a bunch of this and we, we've had this chat a couple of times about yeah how important it is to have someone with you and i think monica might have touched on it as well um, after, yeah, he, I mean, he went through the hospital thing with both his parents and, um, yeah, just how, and I think Jackie's from, um, our podcast as well has also touched on this and how important it is to, yeah, what you just said, to have somebody there is that power of attorney. I think that's well, called. and it doesn't even have to be someone who's power of attorney, although that does help. It does give them that extra authority. Uh, there's several documents. Uh, if if you'll go to um, Ando's uh, podcast page, and he's got it on there where we talk about the healthcare field, and I go through the different documents. Well, like, this is for US US based healthcare. I'm not sure what yeah, it's like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure totally it's a bit different. Very similar. It, there's similarities. Similar. Um, and but like with uh, in the United States, you have like DNRs, do not resuscitate orders. You have uh, living wills or advanced directives. Um, and then there's also power of attorney and there's medical power of attorney. There's also financial power of attorney, but the medical power of attorney is, um, is something that you can have. And if the medical power of attorney says, no, I don't want this for the patient, then they cannot, they cannot go against it. And yeah. yeah. And And if they do, then they're opening themselves up to a lawsuit for medical malpractice. So it is absolutely imperative that you have these documents with you and have these copies and then have somebody with you at the hospital, if at all possible. And it should be somebody that you trust implicitly, that that you know would do what you want and not what they want, because that happens a lot. People will get like their mom or their husband or somebody to be their medical power of attorney and they're power of attorney ends up doing what they would want instead of what the patient wants. And it's not the same. It's not usually the same thing. So, yeah, it's so you're very, literally it's, trusting them with your life. Yeah. Right. And it's, so it should be somebody that you trust implicitly that you know for a fact would do what you want uh, as far as your medical uh, decisions are concerned. So there's ways around it. It's just, it takes planning. And a lot of the, the, um, the problems that people experience in the healthcare field or when they go and get health get healthcare at like a hospital or a doctor's office or something, a lot of those problems can be headed off if you just plan ahead and have things like a medical power of attorney. So it it's reminds possible. me it reminds me of where we started this entire episode, right? The um, potentially evil nature of contracts. Not that all contracts are evil, but that they very well can be. And, um, you know, again, like this idea of sort of desensitizing us to atrocity, it's like, 
all of us sign away our privacy every time we hit that little checkbox that says, I agree to the terms and services without reading through the 10 pages of legalese. They're getting us used to signing a contract spiritually. You know, I think that's the the significance of this is like you are giving an agreement to a thing, you know, like, and that should consent, not be taken yeah. lightly, right? You're giving consent without even considering what you're consenting to. It's incredible, isn't it? People spend more fucking time picking their pizza than they did, did thinking about what's going into their arm. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people spend more time, think, you know, uh, making a small purchase than uh, my best friend? She's just recently bought <laughs> sight unseen, you know, this really expensive camper van thing, but she probably spends more time thinking about, you know, what underwear she's going to buy. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, it's incredible. It's sort of like these magic things in our head are a bit too hard to conceive, so we kind of just sort of stroll through. I don't know. It's, yeah, giving away our consent. People just don't don't realise. I mean, the data is the new gold. Mm-hmm. So we're just funding them. <laughs> and, and to be completely honest, healthcare is one of the biggest generators of data that... Uh, that, this, that we've seen in a long time. I mean, probably financial data is probably the is is it's probably tied for financial data, but your healthcare data. I mean, everything about you generates data. Everything your everything from your vital signs to your to your interaction with the pharmacy to your interaction with the doctor's office to your blood work to your your medications. Everything about you generates data in the healthcare field and every bit of it can be quantified and they have a thing called structured data that they use that the doctors put information in regarding you and they can run entire reports on entire segments of their hospital population and get all kinds of information about trends and outcomes and all kinds of things so really the whole thing with healthcare is that it's all about data and the amount of data that you can generate. And there's there's plans in the works to enable patients to have control over that date. Control, I use air quotes, control, because it's not true control, but you're basically getting paid in um, some kind of currency, some kind of uh, reward system uh, for your data. And Hospital it's- coin. Yeah, something like that, you know, yeah. and it's, they're, they're, they're going towards the, they're trying to use the carrot right now. I mean, they are going above and beyond to use the carrot because they know that if people, if they entice people enough, people will do exactly what, what they want. Um, they will give up whatever information they're wanting as long as there's a reward attached to giving up that data. And that giving up that data also means giving up your personal freedom and your liberty so like here's an example uh if you have a patient we recently had a a a meeting at our office Uh, i work for a doctor's office we recently had a meeting with a a large insurance company representative and they were talking about um benefits that the patient could uh, obtain if they were compliant with their medication and with their testing regarding their diabetes. So diabetes we know is basically when the body does not utilize insulin and the blood sugar gets too high. 
And this can cause all kinds of problems in the body. So if it's not under control, your kidneys start to fail, your vision starts to fail, your blood pressure goes through the roof, your uh, peripheral vascular system becomes compromised, you get uh, wounds on your on your extremities, um, you can get um, urinary tract infections like crazy. So keeping it under control is very beneficial for the patient. Just Did helping you see yourself without seeing it with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish we could hear. I wish what <laughs> i wish we could hear what, shut the fuck up <laughs> you assholes all right so what was i saying <laughs> so <laughs> real quick so we're talking about uh the um the real quick fido fido yeah you What's gave up? me a a ton of awesome show notes uh doom <laughs> kitchen episode 25 yeah okay. um, that's what it was if, yeah yeah, so if y'all want to want to learn a ton from Fido, she can navigate you through the healthcare system right. so that they don't they don't actually hurt you instead. Yeah, that was a really good episode. I I did talk Endo's ear off on that one, but so like the 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 insurance company had developed this reward system for the diabetic patients, and it was kind of a two prong reward system where it benefits the patient would get these benefits these rewards. They were talking about like gift cards, like $100 gift cards, $75 gift cards. If the patient fell within certain parameters with their A1C, which measures the glucose level, and the doctor's office would get a reward in the form of a, um, um, a monetary uh, percentage uh, rate. So it was kind of like a mutual win-win situation. But the real winner is the insurance company who gets the data because then they can sell that data on and make even more money, more money than what they would have paid for the doctor's office and the, and the patient getting their benefits. So yeah, it's the data, the data mining. Yeah. Um, it's the data the and, in the end. And they're, they're just looking for, you know, any means necessary to capture all that data. And diabetics are just the easiest target because they generate so much data in general anyway but there's others every other system of the body does the exact same thing they generate the same amount of data it so. seems to me that you shouldn't have to bribe people into helping themselves it's like either they will or they won't you know it's just like all the bribes they tried to put on people for the covid shot like you know yeah come get a donut come get a hot dog come get a free fucking lap dance like it's it's Joint. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say the free joints. I'm the I'm the target market for that, but I wouldn't oh, have fallen yeah. for it. Like I'll just no. buy my weed, you bastards, you know. Have you, have you noticed these uh these golden carrots that they dangle in front of everyone? That's generally comes down to two things, and one of them is economy. So they hit them in the hip pocket, that's bound to get them. The other thing is convenience. Convenience kills. I hate convenience. It really is uh, this sort of hidden killer. Um, people don't think that much about agree. how much yeah. convenience uh, has created bloody dramas. You know, I mean, environmentally, socially, in every way. If you really think about it, you know, what's so tough about us working a little bit harder for a few things during the day? What's so tough about something taking a couple of minutes longer? It's because we're in this mindset of we've got to get on, we've got to save time, blah blah. blah. Yet we've still got to, we still seem to find time to sit down and you know have our entertainment. Hours you know, so, like, you know, there was uh, propaganda back, Netflix. But years ago, you know, I would hear 
you know, these older folks, they were talking about these kids coming up these days are so entitled. It's like, oh, they're so entitled. They want everything handed to them. And they would just complain constantly about these kids not taking any kind of initiative, not, not working for anything. They just want a paycheck. They just want everything handed to them. And then I kid you not, I right when I stopped watching TV, there was these commercials for the Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Medicare program. And they're trying to get these old people to sign up. And they were like, give what's coming to you. Give what you deserve. You know, you deserve all these things. The ride to the doctor. Get your free dentures if you need them. Get your free prescriptions if you need them. Your glasses, don't you shouldn't have to pay for those. And it was old people on the commercials doing this and selling this to other old people. And it's like, weren't y'all just the ones complaining about these kids? Just, you know, asking for handouts and not wanting to work for anything. And it's, it, it was, it was just so bizarre. And I'm like, I cannot, I cannot believe that this is what it's come to. You know, even the older folks, the boomer generation, as they're called, they're the same way. And it's funny how everybody has been conditioned into thinking that this is okay. Because this is not okay. This is not how they were raised. They were all raised to believe that you had to work for everything. And just because you've gotten older doesn't mean it's any different. You know, everybody has to work for their for their cut. They were At the TV. They were the TV dinner population or generation, rather. That's right? true. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to add in about the data collection aspect of it is this is something that I've wondered about. So obviously people have gotten fatter and fatter and fatter and we know that, right? And then you have some people pointing out that our food is poisoned. Um, and I believe that too, especially here in the States, it seems to have been particularly bad here versus uh, some other countries, although they seem to be catching up. And then, you know, I feel like we have figured out and we know that the pharmaceutical industry and the, the medical industrial complex and the government, they're all one and the same these days, but that they want that pipeline of like patient for life, basically. And that's part of, I think, the where partly the trans agenda comes in, you know, I think there's a materialist perspective and there's a spiritual perspective. So in the material sense, I think that they want people getting used to having tons and tons and tons of medical intervention in their life and they want lifetime customers. And I think that the fat issue is also because they want that type two diabetes, because like what you were saying, Fido, is that if you are on diabetes, that is like one of the biggest ones that they can a make sure you're compliant because now, and, and I know, you know, this, but I don't know if everyone here knows this, that you can have a, a literal blood sugar monitor on you inserted in you at all times. It is monitoring your blood sugar all the time. And that isn't the usual because there were, um, insulin pumps that people would have that would be pumping the insulin automatically. But this is another step from that. So it's literally, it's so black mirror. They can just take their phone and like scan it over wherever that thing is inserted in them. And so, although I obviously see that it's a good idea for people to be able to have this, um, you know, monitoring of their blood sugar because it can be really dangerous and it can drop just like that. But 
that is where you get into really, really dangerous territory. And that's another place that they can very easily start to crank the screws on you with like what she is saying. Oh, you, you weren't compliant. You ate a donut and we, um, you know, and your blood sugar went through X and you had to use X amount of insulin. Well, you just got a ding or you just got kicked out of this practice or, you know, whatever it is. So it's, um, it's, I don't know. I think it's all connected and that stuff is creepy. The, the blood sugar sensor to me is very creepy. Even when I really didn't think that the insulin pump was creepy, I didn't see it that way, but the monitor it's, it's dystopian to me. Yeah, we have, um, cause I work in, in a doctor's office too. Um, we, we actually do prescriptions for, they're called, um, continuous glucose monitoring. And there's different ones. There's Freestyle Libre, and then there's one called Dexcom. And there is a, I'm about to go down a really deep rabbit hole here. I'm going to try to be as brief as possible. Um, there is a, a website. Um, I don't think I'll name it, but it's a, um, it's a facilitating website. So our office is signed up through this website, and we give them the patient information and they process this information what? to get approval through the insurance what? company so we don't have to sit there and do it ourselves we just give well, them well, all the info happened. they need and well, they contact the insurance and company and get the um device or whatever oh, it is that they need yeah. now they don't do just glucose monitoring they do like uh wheelchairs walkers they do um hospital beds they do any kind of durable medical equipment and glucose monitoring is one of them and they get it approved and then they coordinate with the manufacturer to send it to the patient's house or wherever they're located. I actually got a couple of them sent out to nursing home patients. They, um, we had one particular patient who was refusing to let the staff check her blood sugar. She didn't want them poking her finger. And so we thought, well, maybe we can do the glucose monitoring on her because then we can keep an eye on her blood sugar. Of course, she's a very severely non-compliant diabetic. She refuses to eat a proper diet. She refuses to stop and drinking the full sugar sodas. And she says she just doesn't want to do it. And and it's not that she wa doesn't want to be healthy. It's just she doesn't think that it's worth it. So anyway, she we got the monitor for her and we she was doing really good with it and then she got to the point where i don't think i want to do that either and she just like kind of like uh peter in office space i just don't want to do it and so i've actually managed to get them for a couple of patients and it works well uh it has to be changed out every 10 days and it's it is an invaluable tool but it's useless if you're not eating properly and taking care of yourself you don't need it if you're eating a proper diet if you're exercising if you're moving around and doing the things that you're supposed to be doing you don't need this and so it's another one of those things where they're kind of taking away a consequence um we're gonna be living in we're gonna be living in wally before long pretty much and you know it's kind of like we talked about it on the last episode the ozempic um did we talk about Ozempic on the last one? I think we I did. Think so. I think so. Where they, this medication, it, it's right now, there are a lot of the celebrities are taking it for the weight loss, which it does curb appetite and it does make you lose weight because you're not eating as much. Um, but it's it was made for diabetics so that they didn't eat as much and their blood sugars wouldn't go as high. Well, the problem is 
you can eat whatever the hell you want to eat. You can eat the donuts. You can eat the greasy fast food. You can eat uh, the cheesecake with all of the cool whip and toppings that you want on it. And you will still eat less and it will still make you lose weight. So you're not actually developing, developing any healthy eating habits. You're just not eating as much portion control is important when it comes to managing weight and diabetes. But if you're not eating proper food, proper nutrition, when you stop taking that medication, you haven't learned anything and you're going to gain all that weight back. Your blood sugar is going to just skyrocket back up to where it was before. You didn't learn anything. Only the consequences were taken away in this aspect. The accountability is gone. It hasn't benefited you in any way. So you can either keep taking this medication and be a patient for life, be a customer for life, or you can just stop eating the sugar, stop eating the greasy fast food, exercise some more, drink some drink water, stop drinking the sodas. You know, you could just make dietary changes and lifestyle changes and your diabetes will eventually resolve itself. Now, there is a certain point where there is no resolution and there is a there is a point where it's it's going to cause your kidneys to fail. It's going to cause your blood vessels to shrivel up. It's going to cause your blood pressure to skyrocket. And there is a point where there is no return and you're going to be stuck on insulin and medication for the rest of your life. But it is 100% preventable. You don't have to get to that point. It's completely unnecessary. And so they're just taking the consequences away because they know people are going to, it's, it's just easier. Oh, let me just take yep. a pill for it. Let me just take a medication and, and that'll, think, that'll fix yeah. my problem. I mean, you yeah, the nail I'm, on the head when, you know, you the nail on the head when you said accountability is, is gone. It's like they've weaned it out of us. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Convenience they, kills. Convenience kills. Yep, it and does. The easier yep. the, the pill is to swallow, the easier it is to sell. And this Ozempic, it's once a week injection. It's once a week. Just one day a week. You just that's very convenient. That's very convenient. Very convenient. Well, we are rapidly approaching the three-hour mark, which here to now has sort of served as a backstop of sorts. Because, you know, these conversations, I love them. They're engaging. They're energizing. But I got to say, I'm running running out of steam over here, y'all. I don't know about you. But uh, I, I think it would be good to go around and make any final plugs, any final thoughts. I will say on behalf of Ando... He had to take off, um, got work to do. I guess he's got to drive. But he said to tell everybody to listen to episode 25 of the Doom Kitchen. Is that his episode with you, Fido? I think it might be. Yeah. So, yeah, check that out. Um, as always, I'll plug the Easy Peasy podcast. Um, and if you are looking for a good read, some some not so prepper fiction, but some post uh, post societal shift fiction, we'll say, uh, check out Hey Duke 2029. You can get that on Amazon, but the, the easiest way to find it, go to easy peasy tips and I will pass it to Stella G. Uh, that's a Q man. That's a Q. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, Stella Q. Um, look, I don't really spread myself around the internet very much. I'm on the Discord group for the Union of the Unknowns and the Propaganda Report, but, you know. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, which I really don't promote that much, but I'll mention it here. There's a few tracks on there. I just give my music away. Spotify can get fucked. Um, so thanks very much for um, the invite. Really enjoyed it. It's been great. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, how about Fido? 
You can find me on the major streaming platforms and uh, SoundCloud. I do a lot of music, mostly techno, electronica type music. Um, and if I'm going to sign off on anything, I'm going to say stop eating the garbage. Just stop eating garbage. Yep, I can, I can, I can agree with that. Think, change, repeat. Okay, so I manage the Union of the Unknowns Twitter. So I'm at Union Unknowns, and I am a Fido follower on there. Um, and I'm in the Discords, and just want to shout out our Union of the Unknowns people and our uh, just our podcast. Check us out. Um, we would love to hear from you. We love interaction from people, um, and we we appreciate it. And I thank you guys for having us on tonight. This has Absolutely. been a lot of fun. I have really enjoyed it. That's the whole idea. If we can't have fun, what's the point? You know? Yeah. And I'll be yeah, checking out your show. Fun. I I have not listened to y'all's show, but I certainly will over the next few days. And uh, yeah, would love to collaborate some more. So you're Definitely. you're more than welcome anytime. And finally, we've got Walt. Yeah, if you want to hear another podcast where I don't talk a lot, um, go listen to How I Embrace the Suck. If you're if you're not a vet, you can hear what it's like to be in the military. And if you are a vet, you're welcome to come on the show, as long as you're not currently running for office and have never worked for the CIA. Um, and I, and not active that. duty. Not active yeah. duty, right? No, active duty. Yeah, I take oh, yeah? active duty. Oh, cool. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Yep. Those awesome. are my only Sorry, two what, what was the name? Walt of your podcast? How how I embraced the suck. So. That's a okay. that's a common turn of phrase in the American military. Embracing the suck, as okay, far I as just, heard that one. Just, just tolerating the 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 shit, as they say. And then, as far as uh, like non me plugs, uh, feel free to come to Childerberg and meet people in person. And also, um, if you think podcasting is cool, start your own. It's really Love easy. That. Amen. Cool. We got some outro music brought to you by Ando. I think he used AI to make it though. He ain't he ain't a legit artist like y'all. Right. We, we should be using Fido. We should use some Fido music, no doubt. No doubt. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it and uh thanks again. Thank you. Cheers. We'll let it. Hey, all right. <laughs>